1: morning. Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800 938 007. The text and WhatsApp is oh eight three three double one double three double one. You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now, first of all, this morning, we have an unconfirmed report of a, a collision on the Care Art Finnan Road near Sapna Nurseries there. And uh, uh, the listener in question is advising you to avoid that area. If you possibly can, we'll check that out and we'll see if we can find out some more info on that. Coming up, excuse me, on the show this morning, from the Grail Councillor Noel Coonan has announced he will not contest the local elections next year. I'll chat to Noel in just a little bit. After a huge reaction to our piece with John Lahy this week, we ask if a change is needed in GAA development squads. Will it snow in Ireland this week? We'll be chatting about that. There's a call for parking charges in Tipperary to be harmonised. We have farming news with Katrina Morrissey. And Muriel Cuddy of Marito 8020 will talk to us today about inflammation and allergies, indeed, during the cold weather. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp. Oh wait, three three double one double three double one. You can email tip today at tipfm.com. Now we have a lovely prize for you as well—a couple of fifty euro vouchers uh, to give away on Tip Today uh, this morning, and it's by way of celebration of the fact that uh, shopping is wonderful in Thurles this year on the run up to Christmas, and also Santa will turn on the Christmas lights in Thurles tomorrow. So you'll have to listen out for this. <laughs>
2: It's Christmas in Thurlus.
1: And when you hear that again during the programme, that will be your cue to call us and uh, give us your name and your address at that uh, time. And if you put Thurlus at the end of your... Uh, contribution, will pop you in a draw and we have those uh, two vouchers to give away. I'll tell you more about that later. Let's have a look at the front pages of your newspapers. The Irish Times, their lead story telling us that the Gardaí are to be equipped with tasers, water cannons and stronger pepper spray as part of a suite of measures to enable the force to respond to any repeat of last week's violence in Dublin. Also on the Times today we're reading that the Gaza ceasefire hung in the balance last night with Israel threatening to resume fighting as early as today after Hamas failed to present a list of next hostages to be released. But uh, the good news is that uh, the ceasefire has been extended at least for a while more. The Irish Examiner... And again, their main story centering around the Gardaí. And they're telling us that Garda Commissioner, uh, Drew Harris, has insisted he will not resign in the wake of riots in Dublin as he unveiled plans that will see uh, tasers, stronger pepper spray, as I said, and water cannons being made available to a Gardaí. The Irish Daily Mail, again, um, the story of the Gardaí. And um, they're telling us that the Gardaí will resort to the use of force in order to protect the public and themselves. And the Irish Independent, their lead story, a staggering rise in the cost of new rents and existing tenancies has raised questions about landlords complying with rent control measures. So that's a a peek at what's making headlines today. Again, if you'd like to... A comment on any of that? 0833113311. Now, long-serving Tipperary County Councillor, uh, former TD, former Senator Noel Coonan has announced uh, that he will not be contesting next year's local elections. And Noel joins me now. Good morning to you, Noel. Uh, good morning, Fran. Good morning, Tipperary. Uh, and uh, great to talk to you today, Noel. Sad news, Noel. Why, why did you make this decision?
3: I wanted to afford an opportunity for somebody else to come forward. You know, as you know, we're facing into the local elections in June yeah. and I, I suppose now is about the right time to make up your mind what you're doing and to give adequate notice to the party and to somebody else and there are a number of people out there who would maybe love to take up the mantle and take up the challenge and I think it is a glorious opportunity for somebody in the Fine party now to um, put their names forward and put their heart and soul into it and th- there are many openings there, so I wish them well into the future. I've spent, what, 33 years almost now in public life. And, uh, you know, I, I, my opinion, I've made that assessment, time to take a break. Move on.
1: Uh, we're losing a lot of experience, though. I mean, your colleague Gerard Darcy is is not going forwards. I mean, people like uh, Seamus Hannafin, Hughie McGrath, choosing not to go forwards Either no. Uh, we're, and don't forget your favourite there, Michael Fitzgerald. And Michael Fitzgerald, of course, yes. So, it's... Uh, Yeah, an awful lot of our experienced councillors not going forward this time round.
3: Yes, um, that's true. But, I mean, there comes a time when you have to reflect and see what is the right thing to do. And, you know, County Council is a serious business now, a full-time job. Mm. It demands a lot of commitment and a lot of effort. So, you know, and it can be very time-consuming, but also, you know, you have to consider family life, consider other factors, and consider, you know, when is the right time to step down. I believe in giving an opportunity to somebody else to come forward, and as long as I stand there, it reduces the chances of somebody putting their head up. Because many people who might come forward support you and would not be seen to, uh, you know, challenge you or go against you, but that's the way they may look at it. So. Give them a clear run at it, and let's see
1: what happens. When you chose to run for the local elections in 2019, Noel, um, you had recently lost Pauline, your your lovely wife, of course. Did that do you a lot of good at that time? Did it bring you out meeting people again? or?
3: Yeah, funny enough, I was in a bad... Place at that time, having lost the seat and having lost Pauline, who was my rock in politics. Many people would say she was the real politician, but we had a great working relationship together. And I suppose it's something that I would say for any aspiring politician is important to have the support of your family and close friends. But it did do me good. Uh, people, you know, close friends of mine weren't all in Finnegay either, who came to me and said, you know, that I had more to contribute, and that maybe I should consider running for the council, which I did. And as you said, Fran, excuse me, that it got me out and about. It made me realize that there are a lot of people there worse off than I was. Mm. It puts a little bit of pressure on me, you know, to fulfill functions, to fill in, fulfill engagements, and to challenge for better rights for people in my area. And it was, I've really enjoyed the last four and a half years uh, on mm. the council and hopefully the next six months.
1: And to come from national politics back. To the local council, Noel, how how was that for you? Was that was that difficult?
3: Um, I thought it would be at the time, but it wasn't really, you know, because I, I had experience enough. There were still a lot of wonderful staff working on the council who were who, who were so helpful, and I suppose the experience I had gained in public life or in you know in the Senate and the all stood to me in dealing with management, who mm. can be rather tricky and difficult at times, but. Mm. You know, great people there, and once you get to know them and put your point of view across, you can achieve results.
1: Mm. So, so you fitted back in fairly, fairly quickly.
3: I did, and I was surprised at the welcome I got, as I said, particularly from the staff who had been there from the council. From when when I did, I served on the council from '91 until 2004, I think it was. And uh, many of the staff there, you know, welcomed me back with open arms, and were yeah. absolutely. Wonderful and helpful in helping me to fit back in and, and, you know, sort of guiding me. And there were a lot of changes in the council at the time. Local government is in continuous change and sometimes it's difficult to keep up with it, but they were most helpful.
1: The big change, I suppose, was the amalgamation of north and south. And you would have seen both uh, aspects of that, Noel, in, in your council years. Um, what do you make of it now? Because a lot of councillors are telling me, both privately and publicly, that. It's a difficult one. It's, it's very hard to make it work because it's such a big county.
3: Yes, it is uh, very difficult. And, you know, when you go to meetings, fans, and I suppose you've witnessed some of them yourself, you know, with 40 councillors, yeah. they are all wanting to come in on various issues, particularly issues that are hot or topical at the time. And, you know, that it's very hard to deal with that because it drags on and on and on and on. And then, again, I suppose local government now has got to the stage where a lot of it is tick-boxing and rubber-style stage managed really. And I suppose the recent epidemic, like COVID, has really helped uh, management from that point of view, like with Zoom meetings and this, that and the other, you know. The, the difficulty, well, I the old-style politician, like you'd like to eyeball somebody, look them in the yeah. eye and argue your case there in, in their presence, you know, and fight for your constituents. Uh, and it's very hard to do that now under the present setup. And then you have, uh, you know, the temporary solution to the problem is that many of the directorates of service will deliver for the people. They have been split up sort of half and half, mm-hmm. and half in Clonmel and half in Nina. And sometimes you find that if you go to Nina to solve a problem, the director or the, the, the person in charge that you want is down in Clonmel or vice versa, you know, so. It is. There are some problems there that need to be ironed out, but I suppose overall it's better for the county to have a temporary brand, you know, representing the whole county.
1: Yeah, I was talking to Tom Wood, who of course was part of In the Grail for so many years, and his father before him as well, and he was making a point to me lately as well about the town councils, uh, Noel, and he feels that that was a great loss. Again, it's something you have experienced. of. Would you go along with that?
3: I most certainly would, yes, because I spent many years on Templemore yeah. Town Council yeah. there. And I knew everybody, everybody knew me. But they had eight other representatives there as well who could, you know, speak up for the town. But apart from that, the the management of the town council knew everybody. He knew the particular issues, a lot of personal issues there. And they were in a much better place to know exactly what was happening. And I suppose you'd have to go along with, you know, the way Tip O'Neill said that all politics is local, yeah. and certainly local government was more beneficial, I think, at town council level. I think there's also another aspect to to the town council thing in that parties now when people were standing, like myself, for, for election, when you had the town council there, you had at least three, four stalwarts who were on the town council. They knew everybody and everything, and they were there to help you and back you up when you were canvassing. And all that's gone too. The lack of local knowledge and local contact, you know, has been seriously eroded by the doing away with town councils. I think it was a retrograde step. And, you yeah, know, I, and,
1: and I mean, it didn't even save all that much money, really, when you think about it, you know?
3: I think it wasted money, actually, because you got better value for money locally. As I said, the management knew what they were doing. They knew how to do it. The, they were all fair with the area. and They knew everybody and knew everything. That. They felt cool. Now, if I go down to Clonmel with a, a Templemore issue, people don't even know where you're talking about, you know?
1: Yeah, It's interesting. Um, the as you say, sadly, you lost your seat last time around, um, Noel. But I, I wonder, looking at what's been going on, including COVID, and of course all the recent shenanigans as well. Um, w- w- I mean, I, I sometimes are you glad you're not you're not there now? Because it's a difficult one for government, isn't it?
3: Well, I, I mean, I don't hold any resentment to losing my seat. I just moved on you know and i meet a lot of my colleagues in the Doll and one of the things that supposed supposed help me make up my mind is the amount of them that are re- retiring right yeah, now yeah yeah and in contact with them they've always said to me you know the dole is not what it used to be it's, it's not a, a, a nice place now. it's not as you know that certainly said if you came back you wouldn't enjoy it and that's you
1: know why why is that so, dole why why are they saying that is the case
3: well i think it's probably part of the break up the party system and that uh, there's so many people down there complaining now all the time. They have all the answers but no solutions. And um, I don't know. It's it's probably more of a rat race now, you know, than than before. Mm. I think there's a, a lot of respect and decency has gone out of politics at national level. Like before, you could you could go in and argue, and you still can do it at the council. Like I mean, I could have a, a, a have an argument. Uh, with David Dunn, for example, like,
4: you
3: know. Mm, yeah. But uh, it, that would be it, we'd argue the issue. You'd mm. be, we're good personal friends after that, and Davey's a good counsellor, and you'd need to be on your toes to argue with him or yeah. to win a, an argument. But, like, in the all now, when that happens, it's more personal and there's more rancour and they don't seem to mix as well. That's what I'm told, I don't know. Anyhow, you know, I'm not going back there, friend, and no. I don't. I'm not really worried about what
1: happens in it. Yeah, time. and and just about the party, as you say, an awful lot of experienced people now, uh, telling us they won't be going for not only the council but for the Doyle next time round. Where well, the other parties are concerned too, but mainly Fianna, Fianna Gael. Why do you think, is that because of the the grand coalition and maybe there's a, a blurring of lines there and stuff? Noel, is that is that partially responsible? Do you think?
3: It is, uh, p- probably part of it, but I suppose the other thing, you have to look at the l- length of service that many of them have given. And, you know, there's a shelf life to everything yeah. and, and people have to know when to call it a halt. I mean, it's impacted upon me as well because many of those who are retiring are all good friends of mine, good comrades. Yeah. And, and you know, the, when you're on the council, there's nothing like you having a good contact and, and good contacts, uh, you know, at a higher level. Hmm. So that, that would have influenced me, you know, that as I said, every one of them I knew. And not just the Fine Gael people who retire, or, mm. you know, even on the county council level, like, you know, it, like Seamus Hannifin, an excellent councillor, mm. that, and a good friend. And I was a good friend of Hawley's over the years. And mm. You know, Seamus is a great politician, argue his case, sure. yeah. and we could do it. But a tremendous person behind the scene then, you know, there's no, no, no rancour there. Mm. Always helpful and always advising you, prompt you on something, you know. So... I think, you know, in, to succeed in politics, you have to get along with other people and other ideas and people who represent other persuasions or parties and to, be, to have that ability to work together and then, you know, have your arguments, leave it at that then and continue as a decent human being afterwards.
1: And, and could I ask your opinion on something? Because this, something kind of bothers me a little bit and all because I noticed it from this programme. Over the last five or six years in particular, people have gotten very angry and very outspoken, and very cross, and stuff. Is that reflected in what you hear uh, from, from your constituents?
3: Yeah, people, an awful lot of people are under, you know, awful pressure, like families, you know, you know, the issues of housing and health and all that. And it really impacts upon people, you know, they're much more tense, they're much more, you know, they, they find it difficult to see a light at the end of the tunnel. And that can be reflected, you know, if you can't in, in getting their points of view and expressing them across, like when the anger comes out or the tension comes out in that, and that's, uh, that can be reflected right across the, the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it's really tough times now on people. It's fine if you're, if you're saying things are not too bad if you're going okay, but, you know, if there's out of the blue, you can have sickness in the family or somebody lose a job or something happened, and that really puts pressure on you. Everything has to run smoothly. If it doesn't, it's pressure, 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 and tension.
1: Yeah, and as I say, people are are and they're losing patience over it as well. What I mean, I'm sure there's lots that you'll do, Noel. What What will you do particularly? Do you think Do you think you'll rest up for a while, or what's the story?
3: I uh, should. I think friend, the thing to do nowadays is where the most money is is to become a consultant on something.
1: <laughs> <else>.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you might be looking for a consultant now, or KFM, or something I, we could badly
1: do with a consultant. I can tell you, yeah. yeah.
3: But on a serious note, friend, yeah, I will involved in a lot of things as you know and and you've talked about a lot is Templemore Voluntary Housing Association they're very involved with that. We're building houses, we want to look after people afford people an opportunity to have more and better housing. I'm I'm involved I do a bit in auctioneering which I've probably been addicted over the years I might give that a a run Mm. for a little while and I certainly have lots to do of course still involved in agriculture and that even though I don't have any Land as such, because I made that over to my niece mm. four or five years ago. Uh, I, th- I think, you know, when you're farming, you need to get control when you're young that you can avail yeah, of it sure. and, and, yeah. and develop. And um, I certainly won't be short of things to do, but and I have a few other little things in mind that, you know,
1: yeah, because I was just going to say to you the aforementioned uh, Tom Wood, I mean, it's, it's been quite a while since. Tom was uh, uh, on 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 the council, but there's still people calling to him and phoning him and asking his advice and looking for, for help with forms and all of that kind of thing. So it, it doesn't end necessarily with you stepping down, I suppose, now.
3: Well, I suppose one of the things you'd be heartened by, at a meeting the other night, you know, Dennis Ryan, who was a long-serving councillor and a great friend of mine, stood up at the meeting and said, you know, there is a great life after politics yeah, yeah. and not to worry. And, you know, what he said what a lot of people do is maybe stay at it too long. And that and the other, you know, so... Mm-hmm. But to, to know when to go and, you know, to be in a position and, thankfully, good health and great friends and supporters and that. And I hope that continues. But I, I look forward with confidence into the future. And I also look forward to you know, helping out whoever does eventually run for Fine Gael uh, in the local elections. And, indeed, you know, I'd be on great terms with all the other candidates as well. Cross
1: party, so yeah. Well, know. well, Noel, we want to wish you well. It's always a pleasure to meet you, and we always have a bit of crack uh, over the years as well. So, look, look after yourself, Noel.
3: We always did, Fran, yeah. You know, and then you were always prickly hard upon Sinegale <laughs> and upon Noel Coonan, sure. <laughs> it would be no challenge if you weren't, you know. So. <laughs>
1: well, you were always and, well able to look after yourself, Noel Coonan. So, I, I'd
3: like sure. to acknowledge, like, you know, the, the friendship and help that I got from people right across the. Yeah. constituency of Tipperary, and even outside, but particularly in my own area, and also, to, you know, to the management, and staff at the council, and to all the other councillors who had great respect and camaraderie. You know, it, it, it was like real Tipperary hurling, ground hurling, pulling on the ball all the time. Yeah, well. And you know, it was. It, I had a tremendous time, and really enjoyed politics, and would
1: recommend it to anybody. All right, Noel. Well, you look after yourself and a happy Christmas to you, Noel. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Farima, <inaudible> good. Thank you, Kareema, much, indeed. Bye bye, you now. That's uh, Councilor Noel Coonan, who has announced that uh, he will not be contesting next year's local elections. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven.
2: Tip today with Fran Curry
0: With Slattery's Garage Puck on, you can't beat experience With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans we like to call ourselves the experts Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie
1: Just a follow up on that collision on the Carr Art Finnan Road uh, Thankfully it was a minor collision and the road is open again and uh, no injuries there. We're hearing from one of our listeners as well, which is good news. Uh, oh, in 3, 3, double, one, double three, double one. Now, earlier on in the week, we spoke to John Lahey about the story that was circulating around requirements of players in AGAA club. Uh, some of the rules or requirements were that they weren't allowed to drink alcohol between June and October. They were not allowed to take holidays or indeed play other sports including golf. Now, it Led to a discussion about the pressure on players, particularly young players, and we were inundated with texts and calls from parents whose sons had been dropped from development squads and how brutal it was for many of them. So it's something we wanted to look a bit harder at. So joining me now is a great friend of the show, former Tipperary senior hurler, uh, Timmy Hammersley. Timmy, good morning to you.
5: Hi, Frank. Great to be joined this morning. Thanks for having me again. Uh, it's this, the this, this, this third time in a few weeks, I think. I think a few weeks ago with Palestine last week, it was the Dublin protest and now we're back to GA again. So it's great to have a uh, diversity topics, well, to chat well, about.
1: Well, that's for sure. And it looks like you'll be having the gig here fairly soon, uh, Timmy. If A lot of uh, First of all, the development squad system, Timmy, is it a good system? Does it work? Yeah, it's a very good question,
5: Fran. I actually sent on an, a piece on the website, the, the GA website. Actually, I'm just doing a bit of research. there before this morning. I sent it on to to uh, to to uh, send it on to um, Alice, and they were just I thought touch. Might get a chance to glance over. It. Uh, it's a very good read. So. Development squads can be good, so I I, I didn't hear um, any of your discussion during the week, but it sounded like it was a pretty contentious discussion yes. with a lot of viewpoints and experiences and and so on. Um, it can, Fran, and it's not a thing that it, that is uh, going to to uh, to uh, go away because counties nowadays, 2023, do have to have to have, a, have to have. Uh, have to have uh, uh have to have uh, uh things in place and you can't necessarily run you know your underage structures like was done 20, 30 years ago either so but that's not to say development squads just because they're done are are a are, are, are good uh are a good uh, are a good, uh, are good uh, thing either my concern about them um, just I'll, I'll give you just briefly one or two points in terms of the pros and con yes, First please of all, do yeah. the con, and this is what seems to pretend now i'm I'm slow to talk specifically about uh tip because I'm not necessarily on on the ground there, mm. but the reality is it's the strongest can. It can be survival of the, of the 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 strongest, and that is an issue, because in the article I sent you on, there, friend, or sent on to your producer, it talks about two things: chronological age and uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, biological age. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that youth athletes develop at very different uh, stages, okay? So, and who is the best at under 13, under 14, is generally those who are strongest and those who are uh, tallest. And my concern, so the con about development squads is the strongest can be kept and those that are smaller in size Smaller in physicality are often those that are, are that are uh, discarded. Fran, I remember being on to you this time last year. Yeah. If you remember, Fran, I do indeed. we had a very very similar discussion. Mm. My personal experience of going into something like a tape development squad long long time ago, Fran, about twenty years ago, it was under. It was under 15, it was, right? Mm. And I arrived on and I I talked that day last year about how small I was mm. at that age. Yeah. And the coach asked me, why was I at the 15? I should be down with the under-13s. So... I was, but I was. He thought I was only 13, coming to the under, f- coming to the under, f- yes. coming to the under 15. So he had me discarded straight away. Okay, I got one goal and I was gone. I think the day after. So like I have an experience of that. Okay, uh, so and as we know, those that are strongest 13, 14 and not necessarily those that are strongest at 17, 18 either, because they they develop. So my concern is that that those that are slower to develop and grow are often are often uh, discarded at a development squad level and are not given the chance to fulfil their potential, right? That's the con I see. Yeah. The pro, though, Fran, you look at the current hurling All-Ireland champions, right? Mm. Okay. They would have implemented a development squad system. I think they could have begun... Early 2010 to that kind of um, period, the reward that has shown for them is has been huge. Like you look at uh, Seamus Flanagan, mm-hmm. Kyle Hayes. Okay, few more than Fran, They're from junior clubs. Okay, they're from small rural clubs where they never they rarely got county players from previously okay the value for me of the development score system is if you're from a small junior club that can barely that can barely survive or barely or barely or barely or barely barely scrape teams you're really hindered by that you know your potential is to play inter-county hurling because you're not playing a club okay your potential is really hindered you know in playing in, in playing inter county ga so the 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 uh, development squad system gives particularly players from uh, from from uh, smaller clubs right it gives them the potential to uh, to uh, to uh, develop a really high standard quality training access uh, access to a gym and so on so the real benefit for me is what those young lads may not have received in club, okay, yes. they are guaranteed that in a in a in a in a in a development squad scenario. So that's the big benefit for me, friend. It allows young lads from smaller clubs to have the real have the real have the real have the real opportunity to uh, develop and grow. And I think the current All Ireland hurling champions is a prime example for of that. Like they have. Gotten players from parts of the county where they rarely had players from playing uh, mm. county. So I think it's a complex discussion, Fran. I I I know it's very it's very topical, particularly when um, young people are dropped from squads. So it, it's not it's it's not as obvious as some people may think. It it, it it's not all bad. But I don't think yes. necessarily the idea of development squads is all good either. And what I—the final thing on that, friend—I really don't think large chunks should be getting dropped from uh, from uh, from squads. And I'll tell you why. That article I, I sent you on—I are I sent on to yeah. uh, Tip FM. There, Claire G. writes just about Claire G. and Claire G. really seem to have got their their house in order, yes. particularly underage. Now, they place players not on chronological age, but on bile, 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 not on on chronological age, but on a biological age. So they have young fellas. If you're a small under 14 player, right, you're also pitted and playing alongside young lads in the same stage you are, right? So it's not pitting a huge under-14-year-old against a smaller guy, right? And they keep him there. They keep him there for two and three years and they give him appropriate training to the stage they are at. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, that takes a load of work, okay? Mm. Uh, But that's really where development squads are. If you can cater for for the quick developers and if you can cater for the slower ones if you can do that uh, together that's the real value
1: yes in and, my opinion and of did you tell development squad. did yes. you tell Emma as well that there's a way of Predicting, for instance, a player's height, for example, early on in the time, is there a system in place for that now? Yeah,
5: so it's not—it's not—it's not a guessing game either. It's is scientific. Okay, the child's weight, the child's height, the 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 parents' height. Okay, there's a whole load of factors now it's easy enough, you know, it doesn't need the science either though because we can all see because the typical, right, you have a big, you have a big under 14 guy, right? Mm. Okay, he can push himself around the pitch, okay, he can use his strength, he can use his side, but, but, he can often be short the skill that a smaller guy guy has yeah so it's not yeah. that it's not that hard to see either but the problem is if you don't develop the skill set of the stronger 14 year old player right when he comes to 17 18, he doesn't have actually the requirement 10 you know what I mean because what he used his size at 13 or 14 that's not going to help him again come 17 or 18 because anyone who is there their size and their strength has increased as well. So yes, there is a there is a scientific way of uh, doing it, but it really doesn't even require uh, course, yeah. scientific either. You can spot the smaller, skillful player, okay, or the stronger player who doesn't lack, who doesn't um, who doesn't have the same skill as the as the as the uh, smaller guy. But my concern, and I guess. My guess is this is kind of what's broadly happened, that size has mattered hugely here. Yes. Okay, and we're we're discarding the we're discarding the really skillful thirteen or fourteen year old player that stay with him or her, sorry, because this is male mm, and course, and female. Yeah. We stay with them, okay. They will be your tip hurler, tip footballer come five or six years time from now. But in essence, uh, there's probably too many of us involved with the vanilla. And again, I'm not talking about tip, just around the country. We're still seeing mm. win picking development squads. We're only seeing who's in front of us now, yes? Of we're course, not looking yes. at, at the bigger picture um, a few years down the line. No, sorry, just w- w- just one final thing to find yeah, as well sure, Tim, on this. Yeah. Because so I told you about my experience under yeah. 15, yes? Okay, so I was like, this will just tell you because, like, Research matters here, so this is my own little little research on it. Like I, I was told I was too small to even attend the under fifteen development squad trial, and that was my age, right? Okay. Yes. So, but I was the only one from that age. I was so I was born in eighty seven, right? Hmm. I was the only only one born in eighty seven in Tip that ever put on a a, a tips a tips a tips tips senior jersey. Yeah, Do you know. So that's like. That's how we, you know yeah, who is yeah. at a development squad at fifteen or fourteen. You know the the steps to senior or whatever is, is not straightforward. You know, so
1: yeah, it's very interesting. And uh, what we got a lot from people though was the manner in which uh, young lads, uh, in this case, it was young lads, um, were were dropped. I mean, it was a telephone call, and then there appears to be no support, Timmy. And as you know well, for young lads and young women, sometimes. The the sport can be top of the. It can be the main reason for them living. You know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so for sure. Yeah. Sh- yeah like, yeah, what yeah. what are your feelings around that in terms of support? If you're being dropped.
5: Yeah. Well, then, just, just to go back to the start of I, I still I still I still have trouble finding it's right or that so many was dropped though because did. there should be place for them though you know like if you're looking at by if you're looking at those two criterias chronological age and the opposite that there should be a place for them you know what I mean so obviously you can't bring everyone in 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 the county but I would still go back to that are we looking at the stages or are we picking who we just see in front of us now and that's a question I can't ask that's a temporary che question you know because if not we will lose out on players because yes I, I was told that I'm not up to this but like I had the mindset to go and work like hell though for years but not every kid will, will have like they, they will be their confidence will be shattered so they won't have the desire to go and work and work until you eventually get there kind of thing but on then going on to your question. It is how you do it, isn't it? Though, like it's it's not mm, just. For sure. I mean, the mm. reality is, every kid can't continue on the journey either. But it is how you it it is how you, it is how you do it as well. And like there is, I mean, small things would probably help. Like saying, right, look, you're probably short x, y, and z. I would encourage you to uh, to uh, to uh, to uh, practice, whether it's getting a small bit stronger, mm. getting a little bit quicker, improving your skill. Like giving that feedback to young people can, can really can really count as well. So at least they they have an idea. Then right, if I work on 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 uh, on these areas, I, I have an opportunity to grow and and to continue to improve. But if you're just telling them they're no longer wanted kind of a thing, like, it can be shattering as well, you know, so... Um,
1: I'm, sure it yeah. can, I'm sure it can, and that's certainly the feedback we got. Timmy, it's always good to talk yeah. to you, and thank. And if I'm not talking to you before Christmas, happy Christmas to you, and thanks, thanks for all that, the input, yeah. Timmy. Thank you. Yeah, fair play. Thanks thank for you you. the well, That's the great Timmy Hammersley there with his view on, uh, as I say, a discussion that emerged. Uh, during the week from talk about that uh, that club who wants to uh, implement very strict rules, indeed, uh, between June and October for uh, club players in terms of uh, how they behave and what they can and can't do. Oh, eight three three double one double three double one.
0: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecon, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the premier County Slattery'sGarage.ie yeah,
1: Following on from my chat there with uh, Timmy Hammersley and indeed with uh, John Lahey during the week as well, a listener says, I know all about uh, being discarded if you're small. I have a 13-year-old, a dinger, hurler and footballer. But he's very slight, but he is also very skillful. His skill didn't get him on the development squad. He was dismissed immediately, and you can never break in at an older age end of, says one of our listeners. Somebody else saying, you might mention to Timmy that the intimidation in underage teams is terrible, which is why my child left. It was brought to management and nothing was done. My child had great skill, but not speed. The club lost out big time and we as a family felt very left down indeed. And it says here, excuse me, some coaches um, have no business training kids. Some coaches show shocking behaviour. And that's into us on 083-311-3311. Now, uh, several residents in Clonmel Mill have been expressing their concerns about the contentious Bore Planola decision this week in Clonmel Mill. You might remember, because Ali was out and about for us uh, on this yesterday, Tipperary County Council had uh, refused proposals for an 18-meter-high masked structure on the grounds of Clonmel Town FC on the Cashel Road, but this was overturned on appeal by on Board Planola. Well, Martin was in touch with us on this, and it uh, joins me now. Martin, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. How are you? I'm very well indeed. You were talking to us about the FDA's decision where mobile phones are concerned and their research, Martin.
6: Yeah, I remember it was a couple of years ago, now, friend and I was actually looking for the to read the paper, the information, but sure I couldn't get it either. but sure it caused to come down to censorship. If you look what happened abroad in America, where the judge blocked the government agencies from talking to the networks about trying to censor yes. information. I mm. You could probably see it across years as well. But then anyway, you going back to the research, the, I remember about it. It was um, I think it was started in '96. And it was, uh, there were stipulations in it um, that it had to have male rats in the research. Mm. And um, seemingly they came back anyway. The research came back anyway. It came, it came out in 2016 or somewhere around then. And it showed that there was three types of cancer. One was that, at the heart. And I actually forget what the other two, but there were three types that, came to, that were shown the male rats got. But, um, from exposure they,
1: they, to what exactly?
6: They, I think it's the radiation from the phone. For, oh,
1: it was from a phone in this in this situation. Yes. Yeah, there's a yeah.
6: mobile phone. Yeah, from mm. mobile phones. The research was still had to be on mobile phones. But that's good. That's a long time. That's going back to the older phones, like 96. Mm. But compared to the newer ones. But anyway, um, they went on to 2016. The paper came out in 2016. Off, I'm thinking off the top of my head. But the only thing about it was that um, it was their own research, and they, I think they paid 20 million dollars for it. And the rats had to be male. Rats had to be part of the, the, that research. But the thing about it is, the rats anyway got three types of cancer
1: from exposure to the phones.
6: Yeah, but anyway, but the thing about it, they reached out to the FDA for um for they reached out to the FDA for for a comment about mm, it. Mm. And the FDA came back and said they dismissed the research because they said humans weren't rats, so there was no correlation. You couldn't compare the two. But so subsequently, anyway, in the same period of time, wasn't there another paper that came out, actually came out came around and said that, and this, I think, came from Sweden. Mm. And so totally independent from from there. And it concluded there was the very same results came out from
1: that. So, it's, it's interesting. And when I knew you were coming on, Martin, I had a look, but I didn't have much time on it. But a couple of interesting things, though. The American Cancer Society, for example, yeah. um, they don't have any official position at all on yeah. um, uh, cell phone towers or cell phones or others being a source of cancer. They, they, they don't have any position on that, which is kind yeah. of interesting, isn't it? And also hey, you- the, the Federal Communications Commission in, in the States, they are saying that they have no reason to believe that towers or masts could constitute a potential health hazard to nearby residents or students.
6: Yeah, I know. I kind of can kind of see that they, they're kind of dismissing all kind of mm. research on it. But yeah. saying that then, um, but saying that, um, there, there is a state. I, Johnny, I can't think get off that of my head. it came out there lately. They won't allow them. They won't allow to direct the 5G mask because the concerns are health.
4: Yes. I think
6: it was Philadelphia or somewhere. I was after blocking it. But saying that then, I think abroad is it somewhere one the European? Is it in one of the European buildings, government buildings, Part of the EU, they won't allow 5G masks either. I think it's in Brussels, uh, off the top of my head. I think it's in Brussels. but right? I'm only remembering back to it. Dave Lockton as well, on, on grounds of, of, of health as well. But saying that then, I was listening to Robert F. Kennedy, and he was doing an interview with with a, with a uh, uh, an individual, and he was talking, he's taken the FCC, I think it's FCC, the court, about these um, yes. concerns. And he stated in his re, in, in that research to Robert F. Kennedy, it'll be 20 years by the time it gets to court. And he said it'll be the very same as the roundup. They'll dismiss it. They'll go to do everything, anything just to block from getting the court. And he said it'll take at least 20 years. But going back then to what they were saying about the mobile phones, when I was looking at that, they were saying that um, when you, as much as possible, keep the more. It's in, I think it's in the terms and conditions, mm. bring down to the terms of conditions. You, you use the handset uh, uh, as um, hands free. So keep it away from you mm. when you're talking as much as possible. But you're who, who
1: does m- who does that, Martin? You know. Yeah, but
6: really, sure, who, even rea- yeah, who, yeah. who even reads Yeah, terms and conditions, right? Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know but um, but, but you
1: I, you have concerns about it obviously Martin do you
6: I friend I, I, I have concerns as well friend but about I have a mobile phone yeah I have a mobile phone I use, I'm actually using mobile phone now to, to, to the side of my head yeah but you you're talking about the radiation the heat radiation that's going passing through the brain there is another woman there on the boat and she was specialized in it and she was, she put up the pictures and she showed graphs of actual graphs of children how how it actually they travel through the head through your brain and through your body, the mobile phone, radiation, from it. So I don't know. If it's, it's, yeah,
1: and again, and I know that Robert Kennedy has problems with the FCC, uh, as you mentioned there, but they're also saying that, you know, the transmissions from the antennas and, and from all of these masses, that the exposure levels on the ground are typically thousands of times below the safety limit. But I would imagine the question around that has to be, where do you set the safety limit, you, you know?
6: uh, I'd ask a better question. I'd ask ta- a better question. Is who setting these safety
7: limits?
1: Well, that, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. And, and based on what, for example?
6: Yeah, exactly. Based on. Uh, but you think about imagine if it did come out again, the mobile phones. I can. T- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. the amount of money could be lost, the amount of investment in it. But saying that thing, I, there's another thing there. There was a, I, Actually, there was another article I seen there. They were saying it would be very simple technology to actually fix it. If the phone companies actually want to do, with your friend, it's like I I just seen the gla, gla, glance through the looking ahead and I just dismiss it because I you can't read everything. You know what I'm saying. I
4: know. I and know. there
6: wasn't much, then there wasn't so much talk about it at the time. So I just glanced over it and and said, and but it goes back to my point. I actually used the mobile phone I carried on me, but I do have concerns about it. Like if you, actual fact, I noticed. In, I think it's my left hand or my right hand. If I keep the phone up, talk, or you keep it in my hand all the time, I get pains in my joints. Do you? I do, yeah, I actually get pains in my in my joints, but I can feel it. And I don't know it's whatever holding the phone, even looking through the phone. You know, you're researching yeah, on the yeah. phone. Yeah. After a while, I feel my hand, I feel it get pains in my hand. And my hand is resting, like, so it's not on the, it's just holding the phone. I know it's the phone. Mm. I just leave it down. I'm well, fu- funny the
1: enough, I, I have an issue with the dystonia thing in my in my right hand and they couldn't find any reason for it. But, yeah. but I, I mean, sometimes I question myself because I, I have to hold my hands up here. I use the phone for hours every day between research and between, you know, nonsense yeah. that I'd be looking at and all of that. So, yeah, you're right. I, I do question it every so often. A listener, however, Martin, making a very good and saying Everybody wants mobile phones, but nobody wants the masts, and th- that's yeah. that's fair comment, isn't it? We we all want access, and we want, you know, good transmission we want and all of that.
6: Yeah, but I suppose the only thing about the mobile phone is the, uh, it, uh, it's a freedom it gives you. you yeah. can access the information, and you can ac- ac- access what you really what you want. But it's that freedom of, of on the move that you have the mobile phone? But saying that thing, you kind of like to think that that the people that you're putting your trust in. Are telling you the truth, like if it's just. I
1: know, just I know Martin. I know Martin. If there's
6: something, if there's something, if there's something small that you needed to do, or just some say, alter in your behaviour that that could make it, uh, would kind of, if it, it if it is the case, like if it is the case that it is true, there is there is a problem with them. You'd like to think that they'd give you that information so you kind of be more responsible but, how you use but, or how you carry the but phone. But your
1: experience now would inform us that that's not always the case, that we don't get the information until sometimes it's too late, I, I, I suppose. I go, I,
6: I normally, go, it go, it'll end up in court. Um, and yeah, it'll go all the yeah. way through the, through the lower court. It'll go through the middle court and then it'll go to the top court, um, Fran. Yeah. You know, just, just, just distracting away, friend, from, from the mobile phone, there's just one issue. That HP law, um, friend. Yes. I just think that's absolutely draconian. You, I think it's think so. absolutely, completely. It's totally against um, freedom, freedom of speech, freedom and, of. Everything. And I'm
1: always out, uh, out of time, Martin. But but what is your main issue with it? Is it that you know certain conversations couldn't take place, for example?
6: I, yeah, but but I think people should be able to express hmm. what they feel or what they. Well,
1: do. I, I was threatened. You... I was threatened yesterday uh, yeah. with with that hate speech law, and that I was going to be complained yeah. to the Guardian you know, yeah. and all sorts of stuff. You know.
6: So. Yeah. It's like they want to shut down. But the thing about, friend, all you have to do is roll it on. Yeah. If you're not allowed to express what you feel, or all you're doing is just building up anger. And what you're using is the state then, using the police. The guards are the guards. The guards shouldn't be involved in, in, in policing free free speech or, or thought. Like. I mean, people should be allowed to express their, their, their what they think, but reasonably but you'll always get people who are like hitter balls but no, sure, you kind of ignore the thing, yeah. them and, and yeah. move on Like, but it's actually that what's behind it is scary, like they'll come in and take your phone
1: and... all right. Well I'll tell you I what Martin, we will come back to that again and you might join yep. us in that conversation, would that be okay because I'm heading towards that's it, towards news but well, re- really thought. good Thanks. to talk to you Martin, I appreciate thank it. Fr- thank it Thank friend. you, thank, thank you. you, bye bye you now bye. News and information is
2: on the way Tip Today with Fran Curry.
0: With Slattery's Garage, Puck On. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slattery'sgarage.ie.
1: Welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. 1800 938 007. That's a free phone number if you want to uh, chat to. Emma, and uh, the text and WhatsApp is always Ho, ho, ho,
2: ho, it's Christmas in Thalus. Well, you
1: know what you have to do now, so do register with us, 0833 Give us your name and your details, and uh, we will pop you in the draw. And we have two vouchers to give away, a €50 voucher for Noel Ryan's public house on Parnell Street and a €50 voucher for Helen's kids' wear on Friar Street in Thurless as well. And this is my uh, way of celebration of Christmas shopping in Thurless. And Santa, of course, will turn on the lights in Thurless tomorrow and we'll have some uh, more information for you on that tomorrow as well. Now, the disparity in parking charges across Tipperary needs to be tackled according to a local councillor. The parking fees will generate a projected 2.8 million euro next year with Clonmel accounting for almost half of that. On-street parking in Clonmel and Cairwick is currently 120 per hour and this compares with just 50 cent per hour in some other towns and that's a councillor to councillor according to councillor Michael Murphy who joins me now. Michael, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Frank. And thanks for your time this morning. Why is there a disparity to begin with, Michael?
8: I suppose, Frank, this goes back to uh, prior to the amalgamation in 2014. Uh, the background here, I suppose, it's linked to our budget, the budget that we passed last Friday. That's the budget for next year. Uh, and in the lead-up to that budget, I formally submitted a number of questions to the Head of Finance around uh, parking, what was the projected income for next year, And then for them to break that down per district and then the charges per district as well. So, as you said, uh, projected income from parking next year is 2.85 million. Uh, Clonmel is 46% of that. Uh, Just for, and I don't want to bamboozle your listeners with too many figures, Mm. but yeah, for Clonmel, 46%. Nina, 13%. Uh, Turles district is 17% and that 17% is the combined income from Turles, Gray and Templemore uh, Tipperary and Cashel combined is 18% and Carrick and Shore is 5% I don't think that's fair uh, I was quite surprised when the information um, was released uh, to me, when you look deeper then and you look at the parking charges per town I think you gave an example, yes Mel is uh, 120 for on and off street mm. uh, Nina on street and $0.50. And there's a huge variation across all the towns. I have requested further information. I am aware that there's approximately 300, I think it's 284 parking metres because for me, it's not just about the rates, it's not just about the income, it's the extent of parking zones uh, in each town as well. We have um, huge variation in terms of the incentives that exist uh, around festive periods, in particular Christmas uh, as well. Uh, so look, it needs, in the interest of fairness, and I'm not trying to you know, pit Nina against Clonmel or mm. vice versa, or indeed Clonmel against any of the other towns. We're an amalgamated county now. Uh, we are since 2014. We have harmonised you know, I would say all other areas where it comes to, and the most recent harmonisation was across burial grounds and charges for graveyards and so on. But to think that 10 years into the amalgamation, we still have what I would call an unjust uh, regime of parking charges. I don't think that's fair. And um, I obviously spoke at the uh, budget meeting uh, very strongly on this matter. Uh, I welcome the support from colleagues across the uh, county, in particular my colleagues in the Canmel uh, district as well. Um, you know the chief executive, the head of finance, the director of roads that has responsibility. They couldn't argue; they agreed with me. Uh, we're now going to enter into uh, a period of, um, you know, I suppose gathering the information. I asked for a fact-finding mm. document that will be presented to all the members so that we are informed. Um, uh, the the only thing is, people,
1: people might be forgiven for thinking, Michael, that charges rarely go down. So, in an effort to harmonise would, you know, the charges end up going up in places like Nina and Carrick and Shure to be on par with Clonmel then? So, in other words, it's going to cost people more to park outside of Clonmel.
8: Well, I I, I suppose, there, when you look, and obviously it's a matter for all the members, there are two options. We either reduce the Clonmel charges, and as you said, you know, Carrick and Shure charges, I think the other highest charges in um, possibly, um, is it Cashel, I think, yeah, Cashel and Turles, I think are close. You either reduce them in line with Nina, are you increasing it? But that's the process of harmonisation. You find common ground, and um, uh, a charging um, regime that's agreeable to all the members. But like at the moment, you cannot have that disparity. Whereby, in terms of the overall income, that's just under fifty percent is coming from one town. Um, I don't think that's fair, and that's not sustainable either.
1: Right, and how does that work then? the The income that's generated, Michael, is that, is that not just spent locally to Clonmel, for example, with forty six percent, or is that spread around the county? How does that work?
8: That 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 that's a very good question, Fan, and it's it, it's it's a bit like the third secret of Fatima. It's impossible. There's no transparency in terms of how this money is uh, spent. Um, I've endeavoured to get that information. All the parking income goes into a central pot. Um, I don't see any additional uh, income coming into Clonmel, to be perfectly honest. It's a constant struggle uh, to get jobs uh, done. We're given the same excuse at every opportunity. There are budgetary constraints and so on. So, um, yeah, I don't see this extra income coming into Clonmel. And I don't. Um, so, ju- you know, just, just for clarity, put just me for
1: cl- ju- I beg your pardon, Michael. Just for clarity for listeners out there, uh, people paying the highest rate in Clonmel but not necessarily local people getting the benefit of the monies generated.
8: I'm not yet... Exactly, Fran. I have yet to get concrete evidence, um, a transparent answer, in terms of the parking income that is paid for in Clonmel, that 50% of that. How is that coming back into Carmel? I don't see any uh, evidence to say it is that Carmel benefits from that uh, extra income.
1: Right, it's very interesting. Even if there's... Um, a wish and uh, there appears to be to do some kind of harmonisation on this it won't be next year anyway I gather Michael will it?
8: Well what I've asked for Fran is that the process will begin um, this year in 2025 or should I say in, in, in 2024 with a view to implementation during the 2025 budget that's a process then will obviously be completed by October of this year a budget passed, but we will hopefully have a fair and equitable parking regime for 2025 that's what I'm looking for
1: all right, but in the meantime, you're going to try and find out some more information on how this money is divvied out in some way as well.
8: Absolutely. So I have asked formally a number of additional questions um, just on the parking as well to get a better understanding of the various incentives that exist. Uh, like, you know, to be fair, in Clannmouth, we have all-day parking in Shore Island just off the main street. That's 3.20. Davy Dunn, uh, 3.20 for all-day parking. You know, Davy mm. Dunn intervened, Councillor Davy Dunn, and he talked about the first 20 minutes free Uh, In and jure other members mentioned other incentives. So I think we need to get the full picture in terms of incentives throughout the year, incentives during the Christmas period as well. And then uh, the key question is, well, then, if we're paying additional uh, income in Carmel, can you please show me? And maybe I'm proven wrong. Maybe they can demonstrate to me that Carmel benefits from that. Uh, additional inf- uh, income but I haven't seen that information yet so that's why um, I'm on this case I think I have the support of my Canmel colleagues. Uh, I'm not going to let it go and uh, I want to see a process begin uh, sooner rather than later with a view to dealing with this once and for all in advance of the 2025 budgetary process that will begin in the lead up to October next
1: year. Yeah, a lot of us ordinary people find it difficult to understand sometimes, Michael, that information like you described to me, there are indeed other issues that come up on the show, wouldn't be transparent to council members like yourself. You think that this information should be readily available to you? Uh,
8: let me say this, Frank. I, I, I work in the private sector, I'm working for the same company for the last. Um, uh, thirty-five. Or sorry, twenty. Or sorry, thirty-five years. Yes, I joined the company in in, in nineteen eighty-nine. The budgetary process um, by this local authority to Camp but indeed, it's a very complex process. It's very, very complex, and it's very, very difficult to get, you know, that um, micro detail in terms of where the expenditure is going. Uh, it's further compounded then when you compare what's happening now to prior to the merger as well. And obviously, as you know. You know, for want of a better word, we had independence in Clonmel prior to the amalgamation Mm. in 2014, whereby Clonmel had borough status. In other words, all income uh, generated within the Clonmel Corporation area stayed within Clonmel. And of course, that's the ultimate goal for me to return to that former structure of autonomy for Clonmel.
1: Right, but of course, it's, it's unlikely, I think. Uh, to uh,
8: it's unlikely, but there's a lot of discussion at the moment and, you know, yeah. I'm raising my head, as many others are, you know, for um, to launch a new white paper on local government. I think the changes introduced by... Minister Phil Hogan at the time haven't worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, um, you know, and we can talk another day about it, but we have the most centralised system of government now mm-hmm. in Ireland and I think that's very, very regrettable.
1: Indeed. Before I let you go, I was talking to your colleague uh, Noel Coonan earlier on and as you probably know in the last 24 hours, he's announced that he's not putting his name forward for next year's local uh, elections. A lot of lot of experienced politicians now, both local and national, deciding uh, not to go next time round. Is that regrettable as far as you're concerned, Michael?
8: Uh, I I, I think it is. Um, You know, Noel, uh, I've had the pleasure of working with Noel particularly since he came on to uh, Tipperary County Council in 2019, and I want to pay tribute to Noel, uh, a great guy. Uh, I've learned a lot from him in the four short years I've sat beside him. Uh, On uh, Tipperary County Council, I want to wish him well, you know, a real... Uh, positive legacy behind him at both the national level and ironically he's one of the few that retired at the national level yeah. and finished up at the national level and then returned to the to the local level yeah. but it is a concern um and it's not just people that have long service that are leaving um uh, our party and indeed other parties uh you see a lot of young people um leaving politics now i see councillors across the country uh quite young uh, some in their 20s and 30s walking away from local government as well. And it is a concern, and it's very hard to put one's finger on it. Um, it's, it is, of course, regrettable. Um, but, look, I'm not surprised. Um, mm. There's huge pressures associated with being a public representative. People mightn't agree with me on that. Uh, it's not, you know, from the point of view of remuneration, it's not the most attractive career uh, either. Um, but, look, um yeah, look, people are leaving and it's regrettable and um, unfortunately I think it's um, it's not going to uh, stop either, it's going to continue.
1: Yeah, he was making the point that, I mean, really it's a full-time job now to be be a county councillor. He was also quite outspoken, Michael, about, you know, the amalgamation of North and South Tipperary and saying that, you know, it certainly has its challenges to say the very least. I, I, I know that that's something you would agree with him on, wouldn't you?
8: Yeah, um, I've been consistent. Uh, I've been against um, the amalgamation. Obviously, of course, as an elected representative, I try to make it work uh, with party members uh, in the chamber. It's very, very difficult uh, to get work done. It's very, very difficult to uh, build consensus on contentious issues. For me, uh, in terms of my role, the most exec- effective seat is the, the district seat. That's the Connell Borough uh, in my case. But, of course, the ultimate um, goal for me is the return of the former Uh, borough, the historic borough status of uh, Conwell and I know you say well look maybe that's a done deal but I'm not going to give up on that Fran and I don't think any of my colleagues are either and I think we're coming to the stage now, in the context of so many people leaving local government now, you know, the the, the last white paper on local government was 2011, 2012, and it's actually quite a good um, uh, paper on local government. But unfortunately, the the changes introduced by the minister in 2014 uh, didn't realize the ambition, the vision that was in that white paper. But I called now for a new white paper to be launched, in fairness, the Senate uh, is doing an interesting uh, study at the moment on local government, and I look to hear the uh, conclusions on that particular uh, study.
1: It'll be interesting indeed. I know you're busy today. Can I just ask you one more question? Because so you're representing us, of course, on the Committee of the Regions in in Europe, Michael. Um, is there any talk about Ireland among people you're meeting out there in terms of what's been going on over the last uh, couple of weeks here? Is there is there any curiosity about what's happening here in this country? Absolutely.
8: Um, uh, I, I, Simple answer, no, Fran. I presume you're talking in the context of what happened in Dublin. The
1: riots and the unfortunate uh, stabbing of the children. Yeah, no,
8: no. Everything is dominated here at the moment, Fran, by the uh, Israeli-Gaza conflict and indeed the war uh, on Ukraine. And that's the main topic of conversation, followed closely by uh, migration then as a result of those two uh, conflicts. Mm. But no, I have to be honest with you, Fran, and I've met um, regional leaders from across, the great cities and regions of Europe in the last 48 hours and not one uh, has mentioned and I doubt, you know, looking at the media over here
4: Mm. uh, no
8: references whatsoever you have to remember, Fran, you know that what happened in in Dublin and it was, you know know, let let me condemn that in the strongest possible terms, but that's not a new phenomenon in many of the great cities of uh, Of Europe and you only have to look at Recently, the Yellow Vest protests in Paris, Mm -hmm. you know, there are regular protests here in Brussels as well. Some of them are at a scale much larger than what happened uh, in Dublin. So really, uh, it's nothing new to uh, them. And unfortunately, it's a growing phenomenon now with this um, far-right agenda. And I welcome uh, any changes, any new powers uh, given to members of Angarda corner, particularly in terms of protective gear and... um, you know, protective weapons and and, and so on, non lethal force uh, weapons. I think that now has to happen at the earliest opportunity.
1: All right, Michael. Good to talk to you and safe journey home. Thanks, thanks for talking to us this morning. Thank you. Right, and uh, that's Councillor Michael Murphy speaking to us from Brussels this morning. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double zero seven. The text and WhatsApp is only three three double one double three double one.
0: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery's Garage, We were chatting there
1: to Councillor Michael Murphy about uh, possibly harmonising parking charges. Uh, Around the county, uh, Councillor Shamie Morris was on to us to say the harmonisation of rents has caused devastation to families in North Tipperary because the council picked the top rent uh, from Clonmel to raise rents by up to €50 a week, meaning we now have rent arrears of over €2 million. Michael should be careful of what he's doing because the council rarely pick anything other than the highest uh, figure. Well, I made that point. Uh, to Michael where that was uh, concerned Shamey, so it will be interesting to see what happens uh, there uh, all members of the Garda Public Order Unit are to be issued with tasers, the Garda Commissioner has said, while the forces also require two uh, to water cannons for full-time use. Now, Gardi will also begin to wear body cameras from the middle of next year, and all frontline Guardi will be issued with stronger defensive sprays and more personal safety equipment, according to the Commissioner. Uh, there's also extra training being spoken of as well. Now, the Garda Commissioner has also told the Oireachtas Committee on Justice that the gardi uh, that they've begun making changes to operational policing in the wake of the riots in Dublin City Centre last week. The GRA representative for Tipperary is Richard Kennedy, who joins me now. Richard, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. What are you making of these announcements from the Commissioner yesterday to the Committee on Justice?
9: Well, friend, we'd welcome the, the, the extended use of tasers. Like the, the, it's been GRA policy for a number of years for tasers to be issued to all members. Not to be we, we don't necessarily need to have them carried on a, on a day-to-day basis, but that members have readily have access to them. Um, and the, the idea of the extra equipment for the public order units, it's great, but as we saw the other day, member, members didn't readily have access to it because of lack of storage, proper storage for the equipment and, 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 and other bits and pieces. So it, it, we welcome the more equipment, but... We'd like to see a wider, a wider issue of of the likes of the tasers
1: uh, to to the membership. What about the, the the stronger defensive sprays? What what part do they play in protection? Do you think, Richard?
9: Well, the pepper spray was was something we we widely campaigned for a number of years, and, and when it got issued, it, it has become very very useful to the members. And um, it's I suppose the stronger spray, great. It's not going to make a huge amount of difference. With the spray we have is generally fairly effective when it when it's used mm-hmm. and it it's it, it, it stops members having to get into I suppose a situation where they have to use their baton which which would be seen as a a, a, str- a stronger method force mm-hmm. and and they getting into situations where they're kind of maybe getting into a kind of a, a grappling match with, with someone on yeah. the street, the spray usually which brings the situation to a close fairly fairly quickly when it's used.
1: Yeah, I I wonder about the process of getting tasers though. I mean, will that is that like all procurements that it'll have to go to to tender? And if so, will that take ages, Richard?
9: Like like all these like all these uh, government contracts, it will be tenders, and then they'll they look at station looking stations for charging points, and will be it like the, the We've had situations where we where we switched radios from analog to digital. It mm. took years for it to be rolled out properly in terms of. In, ter- in terms of contracts, etc., we saw it with the state. Look at the station in Clam yeah, uh, yeah. all, all these all these things take, take oh, They're overly lengthy in, in the in, in the in the in the way they, they they award these contracts. And we'll like he can they can announce tasers for public owners, But I I don't think we'll see. We won't see him in 2024. You'll probably be looking into probably into early 2025 before that will be actually finalised.
1: And and the body cameras, will there be a delay on that as well? Do you think?
9: No, I think that that's a bit further down the tracks in terms of. The, I, the, I believe there's a, a supplier has been has been selected in, in, in that. but mm. again, the body cams there's, there'll be infrastructure issues with that in terms of of storage, uh, docking stations, etc. A lot have to be, they'll have to find. Most stations around the country are already, already tight for space, so they'll have to look at it, where these these uh,
1: pieces of equipment will be will be stored yes. and used down the line. I, I presume using I I know nothing about it, needless to say, Richard. But using a taser would that require training? And
9: if it if it's the same, I'd imagine finally will be the same as the use of firearms. Anyone who's firearm trained in Irish kind in has to be recertified every year and right. you have to go, uh, over the course of the year you have to do a number of training days and uh, tasers will, will probably go along the same route where you have to have, to be certified every year in the, in the use of, uh, for firearms you have to do days where you go to the range and you, and you practice with them and I would imagine the, the, the taser will be the same it will be an annual recertification we have to recertify every three years for the use of batons and for the use of the pepper spray and tasers was being that bit, uh, that bit more severe. You'd imagine there'd be there'd be an annual recertification process. in other jurisdictions. It is it's annually.
1: And with depleted resources, these are extra days that Gardy would need off then for training so. You, you'd wonder how that's going to work, wouldn't you?
9: Well, it will be. It'll be you, you'd have to usually for for the battens and for and for the handcuffs. It's done. Uh, And in a divisional basis, you you have people, you have members trained up as trainers for all the world, and then you go, you go, and and, on the days you're allocated a day when you're working, where
1: you go and get
9: recertified. So, you would, there'll be days where you will lose members from stations for those training
1: days. Has there been a seismic? Shift here, because I 'm reading today, for instance, that Gardie now will resort to the use of force in order to protect the public and themselves according to uh, the commissioner Richard, but it's not that long ago that you and I would have discussed some of your colleagues if you if you chase an offender in a car now there's a good chance that the gardie themselves will be investigated in some way, and also what, will you talk to me about this i mean what, there's there's a great change now, is there <coughs>
9: they're saying the news, like, there's always been a use of force and there's been a use of force policy within the Irish economy where members if they if, if, if judging on the situation yeah. you use a proportionate amount of force in the situation but in recent years the use of force has disappeared because invested, the members have been afraid to use their batons they've been afraid to, to use force because of the level of investigation and scrutiny they're put under by, by GSOC, by the police authority Members have been, like, in situations where members have been entitled to use force and in serious assaults, public order situations for their own safety. They've been afraid to use force. And we saw it in some of the videos last week from Dublin. Members were, were there, there's very little footage of members using batons, using sprays, because they're afraid friend, because of the level of investigation or treated like criminals for using the equipment they've been trained to
1: use. But the and difference talking between use of force now. sorry, I beg your pardon. Richard. The difference between the footage on Thursday night of some of your colleagues being treated abominably, you know, and then Friday night it was as if they gave guardie the go-ahead to go in with the batons. That's what I mean. Has there been a complete change of policy here?
9: Well, the policy is the same. But I, I, I think Friday, I think the the, the authorities said, look, we can't, we can't have it the same again. Let's look. You're issued with the original equipment, you're allowed to use it. Use it, and I, and I think that 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 was the sea change, and maybe it's it's probably it's probably a change that probably is, is required to maybe wind the clock back a few years to when when was, when members weren't afraid to use 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 force in, in arresting suspects, because it's got to the stage where members are afraid to use force, and and it, it it has allowed this kind of this, I suppose. Uh, Kind of bravery—I don't know if bravery is the right word for it. Some some uh, individuals intent on causing, causing disorder because mm. they feel like there's no consequences, or they're not going to be arrested, or they won't—they won't be a use, use of force. And maybe a, a change back to slightly—I I don't know what you call it—old old school policing, but mm. Mm. but a, a, a stronger deterrent is required at times, and and the. The likes of tasers would be that deterrent because if anyone has watched footage of, of the use of tasers in other jurisdictions, mm. it, it things things end fairly rapidly once the tasers involves. And look, and it, it's like it's like the pepper the pepper spray and that as well. we don't use them that often. Yes, yeah. it, it, like we have that. I suppose it's a decade now since we got pepper spray, and most members wouldn't have used it four or five times. Mm. Mm. And that and that's and that's pepper spray. So it's a it's, uh, the deterrent it? then it's, 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 it's yeah. a deterrent that's yeah. it because yeah. it's, yeah. like, it's it's, it's it, the, pe- the pepper spray I was probably one of the first guys in Tipperary to use it myself and it was in a situation where someone produced a knife in a shop Good God! but if it not, not having to get into a, a situation the pepper spray ends very quickly and, and it's like that in front the world gets around it lads don't want to be pepper sprayed of and you see, of you
4: see
9: if you produce it during, during a fight on the street Lads don't want it, and the, t- the taser will be the same. All once it's used once, lads do want to see it again. And it's it's a, it's, a, it, and it's about a, t- a deterrent rather than lads going around tasering people every Saturday night. It's the deterrent factor in it.
1: Many of our listeners have concerns as well because, of course, we're hearing that uh, policing in Dublin on the run-up to Christmas particularly will be comprehensive. There will be a lot of policing. So the concern from our listeners has to be, Richard, will that mean that our own already stretched resources here for the Gardaí will be depleted even further? Is that a valid fear?
9: Well, it, what will happen, uh, the, the, uh, the Garda College are releasing a, a bunch of a, a, a group early. They were supposed to go on the 15th of January. They're being sent out now on the 15th of December um, with the with the all being sent to Dublin, I believe. And it, you will see members from around the country will be drafted up, but it'll be on, on an overtime basis. So oh. hopefully it's not going to impact our local membership. Um, but there will be members uh, drafted from... Various parts of the country on, on an overtime basis. It seems to be because of last week, the, the government and, and the Guard authorities are going to throw a, a substantial amount of money towards it, towards it, towards the run up to Christmas as a as a means of police getting the numbers in place for for the Christmas uh, period.
1: Is there a bit of irony about this? Because I mean, your organisation you, you would have brought all these issues before the commission and before guard and management over the last couple of years, you know, and even maybe predictions that we were going to end up in the situa- situation that we're in. Is that ironic in some ways now?
9: We're blue in the face from, from ma- making points about, about the lack of resources around the country. and It's not just Dublin. It's is the whole country has a lack of resources. And we've, we've pointed out the problems with the recruitment campaigns, with, with the retention of, of members, there's a, a pre-retirement course in the Garda College fully so they, they actually run two different courses yesterday in the, for pre-retirements for the people going. I've just seen the members in the, past, in the past couple of weeks. There's members contemplating and resigning. There's members looking. They're exploring their options at the moment for uh, alternative employment because there's no incentive there for, for people to stay on when, because of the pension issues. And the, the, the job satisfaction isn't there. Members were going and, and we've, been, we've been banging the drum on this. We haven't been listened to, and now the government and, Ger- and senior garden managers are reaping reaping the rewards of their of their failed policies.
1: It's interesting. There's another story I'm hearing that you know I'm sh- I'm sure it is true because of the source I heard it from. But I'm I'm wondering why it's not out there even more that some of your colleagues um, went to Dublin anyway off their own bat to help out their colleagues after what happened on Thursday. Uh, Richard, is there is there truth to that?
9: That's actually true, friend. Yeah, they, like members saw what was going on on the T V, they saw it on the WhatsApps, they saw it on social media, and members that were working to sat into patrol cars and went. They just they took members from Waterford, members from all over the country. Went sat into patrol cars, got public order vans and, and headed for Dublin and, and to give their colleagues a dig out. And I've heard it from from, from colleagues in, in Dublin as well, the same they were standing in lines trying to trying to break up situations and members that didn't know were beside them. And they, Where are you from? Waterford, Wicklow, Offaly, Leash, Tipperary, all over the place.
1: Why isn't that story out there much more? Because sometimes we hear about a lack of camaraderie in the Gardaí. And I mean, that's a remarkable piece of camaraderie.
9: Uh, like it, it, I suppose it's coming out in dribs and drabs, friend. Uh, the, uh, my colleague Neil Hodgson spoke about it on prime time the other night, um, but it's it, it's a thing. It's it's always been a way. That if you hear a call for assistance on the radio, lads go. They don't they don't wait around or they don't wait to be told by by management and they just go. And that's what happened the other night. The, it was it was members of of guard of rank and members of sergeant rank the other night coordinated operation. They just lads send messages to each other. Lads and lads just lads just banded together to. To try and solve the situation and by the time senior management got their got themselves in gear, lads had already quite the quelled the quelled the situation as of cause of lads helping each other out.
1: And that's why is it a bit galling for people to be taking credit then and saying, you know, well, things were got under control in a couple of hours and the impression given that it was higher up management that sort of sorted all of this. Is that a bit galling for your members? Uh, like, no. Our members don't,
9: don't, mind, don't mind that, Fran. They're they happy the situation, the situation is brought under control, but there was any serious injuries to any of our members. Some members were injured, but not, not, we didn't. no one picked up any serious injuries, which is the main thing for us, that everyone got to go home safe at the end of the shift.
1: Richard, we always appreciate your time. Thanks thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning to you. That's uh, Richard Kennedy there, who is the Garda Representative Association Rep for Tipperary, 1800 938 007. The text and WhatsApp is only double three double one. Patrick believes it should even go further. He says uh, tasers are fine, but give them tear gas and give them weapons. That is the answer. And a few people here of that opinion, but most of the Gardaí themselves, certainly from my conversations with them over the years, wouldn't want to go down that particular road of arming the uh, force. But anyway, what do you think? Uh, We'll take a break. Back in a moment.
0: If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. Now, it was
1: certainly very, very cold indeed this morning, and it looks like a cold snap is set to engulf the country this week. Cahill Nolan of Ireland's Weather Channel joins me now. Cahill, good morning to you. Hi, friend. Very good morning. Now, thanks for your time this morning, Cahill. Is that true? Are we due a very cold snap?
7: Well, I suppose for the next couple of days, friends certainly we will encounter much colder than average conditions. Temperatures, they're expected to be around about maybe four or five degrees Celsius below average. That's on account of a cold north, north, easterly air flow that's become established across the country. And certainly that will remain in place probably up until the early days of next week, Monday, Tuesday. It looks like we might have a break back towards more traditional mild Atlantic weather at that point. But that'll bring its own concerns as well in terms of maybe the impact of stormy conditions as well. But for now, it is certainly an arctic air mass that's in place across the country and the cold snap will last up until at least Tuesday.
1: And should we expect snow, for example, Carl?
7: At the moment, it's looking unlikely. There was some reported snow along parts of the east coast last night, so some inland areas, the eastern coastal counties, experienced some snow flurries coming off the Irish Sea. In general, it's probably unlikely that we'll see snowfall. The only significant chance that we would have of seeing any kind of winter precipitation is probably true Saturday, Saturday night, as we see a weak area of low pressure push in from the west. Depending on the temperature, that given moment in time when it impacts, it will determine whether we see that fall predominantly as rain or sleet, or perhaps a snow for a time overnight. And then maybe on Tuesday as well, when we see those initial fronts bumping into that colder air across the country, we may may see temporary accumulations of snow, but probably only over higher ground. And across areas farther to the north. So I don't think so, certainly mm. temporary.
1: But frosty roads, I guess.
7: Certainly that would be an issue. Frosty roads yeah. between now and Tuesday. Overnight temperatures in many parts over the next couple of nights down to lows, minus three, minus four degrees Celsius. And certainly if there is any I suppose any I suppose precipitation on any of the roads or if any of the roads are damp that aren't treated, certainly there is risk of some icy patches on roads. So motorists should be aware of that travelling over the weekend
1: maybe it's my ageing bones but does it feel colder than is on the temperature gauge if you know what I mean it it seems to feel colder when when it's about 5 or 6 degrees in fact on the temp gauge.
7: I suppose when we look at the temperature and we can analyse that in terms of the actual temperature based on the thermometer we can actually judge other metrics so we have a wind chill factor when you combine wind with any kind of temperature it will make it feel substantially colder than it is you can also have Temperature differences, I suppose, depending on the level of humidity and moisture within the air. So the more damp it is, the, the more moisture that's in the air, it'll certainly feel that bit colder. Combined with the wind, it'll bring the temperature down even farther. So even though it's on a thermometer, it might only say four or five degrees Celsius with a little bit of a breeze and some damp humid conditions that will lead to temperatures dropping down probably below freezing when you have those kind of conditions in place. That's the real
1: feel effect. Interesting. Tomorrow, of course, is the 1st of December. What can you tell us about December? Can you look forward to to the next few weeks and the run-up to Christmas for us, Kyle?
7: Well, I suppose looking ahead we can judge by the weather models, which go about 7 to 10 days out in advance. That's when we have a good, accurate picture in place. So, what we're seeing at the moment is those colder conditions lasting up until around the Tuesday, Wednesday. Thereafter, it looks as though the Atlantic reasserts its dominance. It'll bring much, I suppose, more unsettled weather across the country. Milder as well at that, but certainly it'll bring plenty in the way of heavy rain, strong winds at times. So certainly something to keep an eye on with regards to the forecasts over the coming weeks. Beyond, as we get towards Christmas period, is too far to be certain at this moment in time. The only, I suppose, long-term trajectories that we have is that it is an El Nino year, and in mm. El Nino years there is a higher chance that you experience your coldest conditions in the winter after Christmas, into to the ones of January and February. But again, that's not 100% guaranteed. Mm. It's merely just the general trend that we look towards. But, but it has been
1: remarkably mild up to now, hasn't it?
7: It has certainly. I suppose since Really, if we cast our minds back over the year, even we had that particular warm spell that's there in but May to June, since then subsequently we've had pretty much a west a westerly flow, which has kept things unsettled. But certainly mild temperatures are running around about 1.52 degrees Celsius, above average for the majority of the year in Ireland. Certainly some of that is down to the impacts from El Nino and mm. seen that slightly more than average temperatures that we would expect to see but it has been a milder than average year certainly and that's continued right up throughout the course of autumn and even though we have our current little dip it looks like normality will return in terms of those milder conditions as we go into the first couple of weeks at least.
1: No. Of December. All right, Carl, thank you so much for your time today. And great to talk to you. Thanks. Not Thanks. To good, good, good morning to you. That's Carl uh, Nolan there of Ireland's Weather Channel speaking to us about uh, what's due in the next few days. Um, do you know a woman in England has already cooked her Christmas dinner? Her name is Claire Gillies and she runs a meal planning business and she says that she cooked her frozen gravy... Um, cooked and frozen her gravy her potatoes her carrots her parsnips hand-made and homemade cranberry sauce as well as pigs in blankets and even mice, mince pies and says that some of the food actually tastes better when heated up on Christmas Day she says that she'll wait to cook her turkey on the day itself but she's been pre-cooking her Christmas dinner for a few years now, and says it gives her more time with her kids and family on Christmas Day and also cuts down on the washing up afterwards. So there you go. Maybe, maybe that's an idea. Who knows? Uh, Listener says, Fran, the laws are geared towards the offenders. The guards are too afraid to use pepper spray or try to subdue offenders for fear of suspension or reprimand. The terrible wages and shifts uh, for a number of years have cost the guards... um, Competent, decent people due to financial reasons and stress of the job due to staff shortages as well. Um, there's a lot of concern out there about uh, some sort of harmonisation of the parking charges. And obviously, the people from towns where the parking charge is considerably less than Clanmill, they have concerns that it's going to be uh, brought up in their case then. But somebody making the point that you can't compare parking charges for a town like Clonmel. With uh, Templemore, for example. Clanmel is a shopping town, it says here, with various supermarkets Tesco's, Dunnes, Marks, uh, and Templemore has a supermarket and a Lidl, which is parking free, it says here now. Um, okay. Ask that councillor does he realize his buddy Noel voted for Phil Hogan's demolition of the town councils? A lot of people on to us about that as well. And of course, the pub we were sold at that particular time was that we, do you remember, we were in those years of austerity and we were trying to save money in one thing and another. We were told that by getting rid of the uh, town council that we'd save considerable sums of money. As it turned out, we'd save very little altogether. In fact, some people would argue that by not having the councils there, in fact, it's cost us in the end. But anyway, news and information's coming up. Welcome back to Tip Today, 1800 7 And we're with you every weekday morning from nine, of course. And during our nine o'clock hour this morning, we spoke to Martin. And uh, he um, shared his concerns uh, that people have about uh, mobile phone masts and uh, the like. Now, it follows on from our piece yesterday from Barn Park in clonmel where residents have serious concerns indeed about a proposed uh, 5G mast in the area. Here's a little of what Martin had to say to me this morning. Our listener, however, Martin making a very good point and saying everybody wants mobile phones, but nobody wants the masts. And th- that's yeah. that's fair comment, isn't it? We we all want access and we want you know good transmission we want and all of that.
6: Yeah, but I suppose only thing about a mobile phone is the uh, it, uh, it's, it's a freedom it gives you. Yeah. You can access information and you can ac- ac- access what you really what you want, but is that freedom of, of on the move that you have the mobile phone? But saying that thing, you kind of like to think that that the people that you're putting your trust in are telling you the truth. Like if it's just, I know, Martin.
1: just I know Martin.
6: <laughs> if there's something, if there's something, if there's something small that you needed to do or just some alter altering your behaviour that that could make it uh, would kind of if it, if it is the case, like if it is the case that it is true, there is there is a problem with them. You'd like to think that they'd give you that information so you kind of be more responsible how but, you use but, or how you carry the ball. But boat. your
1: experience now would inform us that that's not always the case, that we don't get the information until sometimes it's too late, I, I, I suppose. I, go,
6: I, I normally go, it go, it'll end up in court, it'll um, yeah, go all the way yeah. through, the, through the lower court, it'll go through the middle court, and then it'll go to the top court, um, front
1: and that's Martin who spoke to me uh, this morning uh, during the 9 o'clock hour. Now it's time for our health slot. I'm glad to be joined as usual on a Thursday by Muriel Cuddy, who's CEO of Marito 8020, the clinic in Clonmel. Good morning to you, Muriel. Morning, Fran. I see it's brightened up out there. Is it still cold? It's though?
10: freezing. Is it? <laughs> or else it's just me, but it's so cold No, today. there's a
1: cold snap on the way, we're told, you oh. see. And speaking of which, mm-hmm. then we're talking about I suppose inflammation and allergies and colds and all of that today.
10: Time of the year, isn't it? Pneumonia, flu, colds, COVID, Um, the inflammation, the asthma, the bronchitis, the whole lot, they're all back. And I see it every day as in, like, we're getting the cancellation, somebody has COVID or they have whatever. Is COVID
1: back again, it is it, is, it, it in, is, yeah, in big numbers? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
10: yeah. Well, I don't know about big, big numbers, but yeah. it's back again, like, and that's, you know, so we're kind of revisiting it all again, you know. Yeah. And when you're chatting to people, like, you've that side of it on one side and then on the other side, which I've seen a lot of this week as well, is and I suppose it feeds into, the whole lot feeds in together, Is in when the immune system goes down, you feel unwell. When you feel unwell, then you're bound to pick up something, you know. But the immune system goes down because of so many reasons that I talk about all the time. But I'm seeing so many people down the dumps. Literally, like I I mean, like they can't bring themselves out of it. They can't pull themselves up. They just feel miserable and it might be weight related or something like that. But they feel really tired or more tired than what they'd normally feel. You know, and like we talk about that a lot as well. Mm. Now, maybe it's the time of the year. And I suppose since Covid 2019, 2020, 2021, we kind of came back last year. Everything hit at a different level this year. So I think the pace of how life picked up this year, that everything opened and everybody's gone full throttle, um, people are really like burnt out. I think coming into Christmas this year, so maybe I'm wrong, mm. and, and and people can you know, ring in. It's,
1: it's very interesting, you know. And sometimes the burnout does that result to in us overeating, over drinking, over yeah. trying to find some comfort somewhere. All I of suppose. it, all yeah.
10: of it, yeah. Because like, if you start eating wrong, then so yes, you're going to like eat the ultra processed and processed foods, and, and and like food is your enjoyment. Yeah. Like food in Ireland is one of them. We we keep saying that's one of the main enjoyments. But when you do it wrong, and like I said last week, the the sugar piece is like more nine times more addictive than cocaine. So to get you to come off sugar is really, really hard because of that piece. But if you eat wrong, then you're going to be deficient in the vitamins and minerals that the body needs. So like you're creating more of what I would say in the gut is the compost heap. So you're creating more of the bad bacteria instead of creating the flowers. And when you create the bad bacteria, that makes you become more unwell. So you have the brain fog and you have the miserable anxiety and stress. And I don't know what's wrong with me. Like I had a girl in the other day and um, she has weight on or whatever, but three stone weight on. Um, felt really miserable, has been to every doctor. So she said, my bloods were wrong. The doctor said, no, your bloods are fine. Do the menopause pro- or hormone profile. Hormone profile is fine. Do this. No, that's fine. Do colonoscopy. No, that's fine. And she said, but there has to be something. There is something wrong. I am really miserable. But the wrong was like her body was wrong because what she was doing for her body was really wrong but she's like I feel so miserable I feel like I'm going to and what was she doing wrong like her her whole lifestyle was wrong as in she ate in the morning didn't eat all day you know so like it was night time before she sat down to eat again so like she was running literally on cortisol all day long so that was drip feeding the compost heap literally that was there and then she'd sit down and when she came in the evening she was like toast before she ever even had her dinner and then she had a dinner and then she was eating all night because she was starving because she hadn't eaten all day. So she was literally just, her adrenals were in constant state of alert. So like the body is going to break down. You can't go out and turn the car on and stick something on the accelerator and expe- it or expect it to go all day long and not stop at some some stage. It's going to stop. And I think a lot of us are doing that. So I think even with the food side of things, we feel... Okay, I've I've eaten so much wrong in the last day or two. Now, I'm going to be good today. So you eat nothing all day or you have something small in the morning or you wait until lunchtime to fast and then you Mm. have something at lunchtime and then you wait until evening time. And by the time it comes to evening time, you're so knackered and banjaxed and all the bits. You can't even face making a dinner. So you're going to eat whatever's in front of you, you know. So it's like being on that roller coaster hamster wheel, isn't it? We have to come off it. How does that
1: sit with some of the conversations we had then around um, fasting, you mm-hmm. know, being a method of weight loss. Yeah,
10: but you see, you have to eat well when you come off the Oh, fast. OK. And like okay. if you eat well and those, those, like, you know something as simple as being deficient in magnesium. Can I, can I just run through... All the different of symptoms of just deficiency in one 1 million in the body, right? Magnesium. Magnesium, yeah. And it's very easy to get magnesium. But all of these are things, right? Muscle cramps and twitches, insomnia, irritability, anxiety, ADD, palpitations, angina, constipation, headaches, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, asthma, kidney stones, diabetes, obesity, osteoporosis, high blood pressure, menstrual cramps, um, high levels of C-reactive protein, which is an inflammatory marker in relation to cardiovascular disease. They're some of the symptoms, in relation to deficiency in magnesium. So you can imagine if you're deficient in, say, magnesium and zinc, and then this is wintertime, so we're automatically deficient in vitamin D because we don't have the sun. So if you're not supplementing somewhere, you're not getting it. The other things like vitamin B6, if we're deficient in that, we don't get energy from our food. But if we're not eating the right foods, we're not going to get energy from that food anyway. I see about 10 people every week with malabsorption issues. so what they're eating and what they've done within the body and because the gut isn't working as it needs to, they're not absorbing anything they're taking in. So even if they take in some good food it's not any good to them. So you can imagine if those few things your deficient in magnesium happen? Few things like muscle cramps, irritability, anxiety, like all of it. Headaches, kidney stones, menstrual cramps, chronic fatigue. And like people come in that they are so tired that they literally feel like they're going to fall asleep.
1: Sounds on. like I need a gallon of magnesium. Uh, the, yeah. the only issue I'd say to you there, I was told that before about magnesium and I went off and I bought magnesium that cost me the earth, 30 yeah. something, but I got the wrong magnesium.
10: Yeah, There's three different types of magnesium that I would recommend. The glycinate side and the electronic I can't pronounce it. Throninate. Okay. They're the three, literally. Any one of those three are really good. There's probably six different ones. I'm going to put a piece up on it later on and I'm going to go in detail into each piece of magnesium and what it does for the body. So there's different ones for menstrual cramps, different ones for different things within the body. Right,
1: you're going to put but that up, aren't I'm going you?
10: to put that up on Instagram later on. But there yeah. is a basic magnesium. Even the basic magnesium will work. But like you can get it from your food. So things like your leafy greens. Now that's harder in winter time again. So like nuts and seeds, like even just to add seeds in or nuts in during the the, during the day, really works whole grains. And what I'm talking about whole grains is like I'm not talking about like your flour, your white flour. I'm talking about like whole grain rice, proper whole grain bread that you can actually see the grain and and, and the seeds and the nuts and whatever are in it. Avocados have uh, magnesium, Fran. Fran loves avocados. I hate them. Yeah, bananas have magnesium. Okay. So like you know, and spinach and all of those kinds of things. So like if you were to add one or two of those things into your diet, that's why I talk about good food. Mm. So if you can just. Food isn't like somebody had posted up on Instagram the other day, and I thought it was really good. She said, um, "I'm off to buy my tablets," or "I'm off to get whatever," something along those words, anyway. But she ended up in the supermarket, and next thing is you saw her shopping basket, and her shopping basket like was literally her food for the week, which was soup and whatever, you know. But like that was her that's her tablets because food is your tablets. So like if you can get rid of the medicine cabinet of that side and start thinking to yourself, right, okay, well a banana does this, and an avocado does this, and sliced brown bread does this, and a potato does this instead of the other side of things, your body starts feeling better. And that's what we do every day.
1: And, you know, you said something at the top of the conversation, Muriel, that, that is staying with me. Um, a lot of talk about mental health, for example, at mm. the moment. A lot of talk about depression, particularly. But are you attributing some of those symptoms as well to what we're eating?
10: Totally, totally. Deficiency, like omega-3s. That's one of the number ones. So every single person that sits down in front of me, when we go through their lifestyle and their diet, they are deficient in omega-3s through their foodstuffs. So we should have at least 20% of our food as essential fat. Like, our body craves it, literally. So your stress, anxiety, the brain health, all of that, all needs the omega-3 side. Omega-3s, it's fish, okay. Um... Coconut extra virgin olive oil, coconut oil—it's the essential fat piece. Eggs, eggs are superfood. Avocados are superfood. Your nuts and seeds, olives, sun-dried tomatoes—it's like the Mediterranean diet, that piece of the Mediterranean diet. And if our kids are deficient in omega threes, like we hear the words from them, like you hear five-year-olds saying, "I'm, I'm stressed," or "I'm depressed," like that's just nonsense. Seriously, you know. But they're deficient. When we were younger, we had to eat your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So, like, we were getting in our three meals every day the basics of what we needed and the ultra-processed food and the processed foods weren't there. You know, so, like, we were okay. I find that
1: fascinating because, I mean, I know obviously there's extreme issues where mental health is concerned, but, you know, if you're prone, as I am, to a little bit of melancholy or whatever... It could be done
10: diet. Oh, t- it's it diet. And the other thing in Ireland is the SAD side definitely hits when the clocks change. So I think end of October into November. And like we the have light. the dark, the light, definitely the light. And it's proven time and time again to actually have that light that you sit under and you do your hour every day. That That's proven. But like, again, and I know I go back to the analogy of a car the whole time, but that just resonates with people. But you can't put dirty oil into a car. You can't put water or oil into the radiator or diesel into a petrol engine or whatever. Like, that's what we're doing every day. And, like, if we could just get into our heads, instead of having this, I'll have this. It's not a diet. It's not anything. If you can just drive your body from the health side... And, and forget about everything else mm. and think to yourself like instead of the tablet side this is the tablet like isn't it let food be thy medicine Thomas Edison said that like back in mm. 1940 let mm. food be thy medicine and that's what we're not doing and until we do it the immune system is going to be on the floor from now until the end of February or so and the only way we can build our immune system is to be well and healthy so this SAD side get your light in you won't sleep properly if you're not eating well so if you have a last or two glasses of wine every night, you're going to wake at two or three o'clock in the morning and you'll have the intermittent sleep. Yeah? I know. If you have the sugar in your b- world, like, you will wake at night again. Your body won't wrong, run properly. And by evening time, you'll have been on such a roller coaster all day with those adrenals going nonstop. You're going to be knackered. So you're going to crave the wrong foods. So if you even gave yourself a goal of, like, say, one day, let's just do one mm. day and let's just do three meals and just let's start with the first meal. OK, I'm going to have porridge, wheat, with the brown bread and eggs. Now, I'm going to have nothing now until lunchtime and at lunchtime, I'm going to have soup or I'm going to have a brown bread sandwich with like whatever, egg mayonnaise and maybe chicken and some form of green in it. Nuts or dark chocolate at four o'clock and I'm going to go home and I'm going to have a proper mammy dinner. So proper mammy dinner is your spuds, your meat, your fish and your veg. And then when you sit down at night, if you want something, another couple of squares of dark chocolate or something like that and leave it at that. So you're actually eating three decent meals and you have two snacks and then stop and go to bed. So if you're craving anything wrong or the alcohol or whatever, say no, I'm going to do it just for today and then get into tomorrow and just try and do it day by day. Even like from now for the next week or so, we still have three weeks to Christmas. So like our systems will be on the floor. So if you, do you know the minute you get to Christmas Eve and mm-hmm. then you get sick straight away mm-hmm. and your whole system goes down? Yeah. Try not to let that happen this year. Like that for me is try and get the immune system up a little. So even just the 70% piece.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. And during the week, we were speaking quite a bit about shingles. And again, it seems to be a case that people are developing shingles when they're at their lowest ebb, when the immune system... Or in Michael Egan's case, who spoke to me, when he was extremely stressed.
10: Yeah, yeah. Stress is as bad as the, the nutrition piece, the cortisol piece of dripping constantly like down into the gut that's the same thing it's literally and if you can put that along then with your diet or whatever because you're not able to eat or you're eating the wrong things like you're ready to blow up that's literally and your body shouts at you and I say that every single day like aches and pains any kind anything that's wrong like the inflammation on any side even like getting a cold even the mucus your body is telling you there's something happening And that's at the very early stage. So, Michael with the shingles Mm. probably had loads of signs and symptoms up along to it. But because he was so stressed and he was working or doing whatever he was doing, you choose to ignore him because you don't have time to come out of the world. out of the rat race because you're needed and all that kind of Of thing but then all of a shot something happens and you have no choice but to come out of it
1: It's interesting Allergies I'm surprised you're talking to us about allergies at this time of the year because I always associate it with summertime.
10: Well like if you're talking about something we're not really talking about allergies as such we're talking more about asthma Yes You know because like asthma is one of the biggest ones and like do you know 72 people died last year 72 people die in and around every year from asthma wow. and about half a million people suffer from asthma in Ireland you know about 20% of children and 7% of adults so like it's huge worldwide I think there's 340 million people that have asthma. Asthma is, for me is probably one of the biggest ones. Um My sister went on and done a PhD in asthma and allergies because remember I said about daddy died and all that kind mm. of thing and so she's she's works with asthma patients every day and she's seen like Um, children die, so like even a 15 year old that was in her care for years died of an asthma attack, you know, and there has been one here, a very sad one, locally even I think in the last two weeks or so, a lot of people would have have known her. So it's a chronic condition and it affects the airways and the lungs, you know in in, winter time it's harder to control it, so even exercising outside, you shouldn't be outside exercising that that cold air goes into the airways, you know because the airways and the muscles around it become inflamed when they're exposed to triggers so that could be like your pollen or your dust but it's also the cold, you know Mm. and the results then you get your symptoms like coughing, wheezing, breathlessness and chest tightness but in winter the dry airways become irritated and swollen on top of that so that doesn't help you know so the body produces thicker mucus so that happens even without asthma and that that mucus is more sticky than normal and this extra mucus then um, attracts infection and all the other symptoms then that go, go with asthma, you know, like, you know, all the other triggers mm. of it or whatever. So you have to limit exposure to you. So that was the biggest one that I wanted to talk about, mm. really, because the other things then were your pneumonia, your bronchitis, your influenza, yes. that kind of thing. And I think we see an odd person wearing a mask now um, again, which I think is important. Because if you are vulnerable and you have any underlying whatever, the main thing, and we saw that like during COVID, you don't smile at somebody that's wearing a mask. I would actually smile at them if they're higher risk, that they've taken the time to actually put a mask on and they're brave enough to come out because I think that's brilliant and the other thing we're not doing and we have to get back to doing it again is I've been in <coughs> a bathroom lately and even my kids have been and they've come out and they've said to me she didn't wash her hands or he didn't wash her hands the, his hands or whatever you have to wash your hands
1: right. we were getting very good at that during Covid but that's so that? good
10: and like if you left a bathroom didn't wash your hands you'd been pulled up on it yeah. during Covid but we're kind of gone backwards again now so like the masks the hand washing not touching your face somebody actually asked me we were doing a screen the other day and he said to me should I get the flu vaccination I'm due to get it tomorrow what do you think get vaccinated if you have a low immune system and it's there for you you need to literally you don't need to get a really bad dose of the flu and then like you know the other things we were doing during COVID when you're coughing and sneezing you're like putting Mm. your hand up we're not doing that again like so you're seeing all of these things coming back in the staying at home people aren't staying at home when they're sick being close to somebody that's sick, all of that. We just have to use our cup on a little again, I think, and uh, mm.
1: go backwards. You see, again, we were so delighted to get out and about, I suppose, yeah. we don't want to But be we
10: go backwards very fast, yeah, don't I we? I know we do, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. kind of, yeah. It's incredible. It off,
1: and, uh, you know, again, it's something you alluded to earlier on. Since COVID, are you seeing... What are you seeing since COVID? I mean, are,
10: are I think are we, we've spoken about we it here. Have we changed? I? we changed? T- totally. Like, like I've, we've st- I've, talked to, I've said it to you here, do you find people are contrary or more contrary, yeah, yeah. in the last couple of years, I most certainly see that. I see people are are very very down in the dumps and miserable. And in the last twelve months, most especially, I'm just seeing that burnout and that stress side and the the dietary side of like the intolerance issues and that all of that. I'm finding all of that has exacerbated, Fran, in the last twelve twelve months. But I'm finding the I suppose the crossness side, that's what we've spoken about. Mm. Like, that people are less tolerant. Is that, yeah, That's probably was, the best way of putting it. I was
1: talking to Noel Coonan, the counselor I was talking to him about that yeah. uh, earlier as well. And I noticed in the last few years, particularly, people are impatient, they're yep. cross, they're...
10: Less tolerant. Yeah. I think that's the word that I would see big time. But I'm putting that down to, I suppose, stress is there and the stress is there. And I think in the last nine months, especially, the financial side is definitely there. Mm. I think that's definitely worrying a lot of people. There is no extra income there. And I think everything is co- is costing 10 times more. And like, I can even see that on my side, say even just with the kids, like every single match they go to, say with my younger two, when they were going to a match, it was like a fiver, or mm. you were able to give them a couple of euro, whatever, going off and they had their lunch. The lads, if they're going to a match, and I like, they stop at McDonald's and it's 15 euro. And like they said to me, what's, I said, what's 15 euro? Well, like the meal is 15 euro. That's what everybody, so if they do three of them a week, like I'm Why? looking at him and I'm saying, you can't do that. Like that's forty-five euro each. There's two of them, you know, and that's just for two kids going to a match. So forget about everything else. The haircut like now at that in that age profile, anyone that yeah, you want yeah. to it's ask every, this every age. couple of weeks. Isn't it's it? every yeah. couple of weeks, yeah. and it's twenty euro. Like this was never there ten years ago, and like then they have to have certain things or whatever, you know, that the others have now. And mine don't have them, and I say no to them. It's like mm. I'm sorry, I don't have the money, and they're made earn money and stuff. But I still even find it hard, even with the shopping and stuff you do one shop a week. If you don't do the shop a week, you're finished because it's going to cost you 10 times more. But even the shop has probably gone up, I'd say, by 70 or 80 euro and that's taken two. So mine has gone up and I've taken two kids out of it for the last, since September or whatever and I watch what I'm buying. And I try and do whatever I can do that lasts mm. until the following Friday, say from Sunday or whatever. And we use up most of, which we wouldn't have done even for a good few years and it didn't really seem to matter. But now I do it because it costs too much. Because if I have to stop at the shop on the way home and if I only buy four or five things, I have €50 euro spent. So like, where does your money go?
1: I don't know, and it seems to just just disappear. Somebody's yes. wondering about herbs. Michael is in Templemore, and what does Muriel really think about the use of herbs for health?
10: Oh yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. that's going back to where we were, like eighteen, nineteen, nineteen hundreds. We had no medicines. Like they were only invented then. So like, what we do as our medicinal piece. It was herbs, so it was things that were grown, and like anyone that uses them, they're definitely more well and more healthy. So yeah, like even echinacea, and all of those things, yeah, they're fantastic. Like mm. penicillin only came to the fore in 1940, and all of a shot, like then it was, this is wonderful, like life mm. is going to change. Well, of course, it was wonderful, yeah. needless yeah. to say, yeah. but uh, yeah. Yeah. but yeah. then it went to the other because like we used what to we? say before COVID, yeah. within five years, there's not an antibiotic on the planet going to work, and then COVID hit, and there was no antibiotic that worked. So, like, we came full circle, didn't we, in the space of 100 years.
1: interesting, yeah. Siobhan Dunn was on to us as well, wondering uh, what is the right magnesium then. And, and yeah, I have to say, I got the wrong one. So I spent yeah. quite a lot of time in the bathroom, which was very interesting. Yeah,
10: no, look at in, um, my Instagram later on, marito8020 Instagram later on. I'm going to put up a really good piece because each... Um, the six different types of magnesium mm. and each magnesium has different it's for different symptoms yes. and different whatever so take a look at Marita8020 later on on Facebook and Instagram and I'll put it up the one the six with each piece underneath it yeah right, if I was here good, yeah. I'd be here for the day otherwise
1: and and the inflammation as well I mean mm. you know lot, lots of that too. yeah
10: inflammation is massive the inflammation side and like if you have a cold and then next thing is you have the flu or whatever if you get a cold you have to feed a cold literally so you know the way they say feed a cold you have to mind yourself you have to go to bed and like your stews and your soups and all of that kind of thing if you have a virus there's no point going to the doctor and looking for an antibiotic, it's not going to work and an antibiotic is just going to kill the bacteria in your gut again. So when you're talking about things like your flus and your colds and all of that, just mind yourself, stay in, go to bed, do all of those things right, feed it if you're able to feed it, drink loads of water because that's what mm. Yeah, mm. will we'll keep the body temp- temperature in all the bits and pieces. But stay away from your from your from uh, looking for your antibiotics and stuff like that. Mm.
1: Um, it, it's interesting. One of our listeners saying, um, "I'm surprised that Muriel allows her boys to have McDonald's." Um, that, that, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because you you believe in that whole eighty twenty thing. Don't well, do you, you? know what? You know? Like, I'm a mother. Yeah,
10: I have four kids. The lads are up in a bus. Yeah. Like, if I give them mon- money and I tell them to go in and there to buy, like whatever something decent Mm. they have their lunchbox and the lunchbox comes home full anyway the day they go to a match so the day that they're going to a match I don't even bother making a huge effort because I know it's not going to happen you know so what do you do you can't stop them Michigan, yeah. you know, they'll be talked about and they love McDonald's, the same as everyone else. So but you you,
1: I know that you try and provide a balance then in terms of the other meals. Yeah, and sure. Like, totally. And that's really what the whole thing well, is well about, like, isn't they it? They have
10: to eat a breakfast in Mayas before they go out the door. Right. So, breakfast is sweet or porridge. That's literally, or ready break if they want to have ready break. So, they have to do that. They get their lunch every day going to school and they're very good to eat their lunch. And even in the school they're in, it's very good. They can get things like chicken and there's rice and the stuff like that. So, once a week, they do that mm. piece of it. They'll tell me themselves, they'll say, like, so and so had sausage rolls and so and so was in the Parnell Grill and all of this kind of thing you know and no. it's funny because this is just leaving this funny story as in when Rocco was in first year he actually said to me the lads are in the par- par- Parnell Grill ma'am every Friday mm. I'm not allowed go and I said no I never said to you you weren't allowed to go mm. and he said well am I allowed to go and I said you decide yourself mm. I said you know what I think of having chips in the middle of the day or whatever mm. if you want to have something later on and he said oh okay right so that was fine so the following Friday off he went to the Parnell Grill he had a match on Saturday right uh-huh. played his match and he was awful he got into the car and he said, I was brutal. I said, you are brutal. And he said, oh. And he said, why did you say that? You're not supposed to say that. You're my mother. And I said, but you were brutal. Mm. And I said, you know where it came from? And he said, no, where? And I said, well, you had the rubbish yesterday. And then you wanted to have whatever again last night. It was Friday night. Mm. So I said, that's what causes inflammation in the body. So that's what makes you play bad. So well, I,
1: I love the Parnell Grill. And I think they do great chips and stuff. Um, but anyway, so it, it is a mixture of everything, isn't it's, it? It's you, you know. I'm
10: just, what I'm trying to say yeah. is, you have to get your immune system well. So to feel well and be well, unless your food is your medicine on some level. And I know I'm like a broken record, but Mm. you won't be well. So you can go to the doctor and you can take any tablets you want and you can do all of that and you can expect maybe sit in A&E over Christmas or whatever. But if your food becomes your medicine just within 70% of the time, that won't happen. Or you have a good chance of it not happening.
1: If people want to talk to you or the team, Muriel, how can they do that? they
10: can. It's 05261 48881 or www.marito8020.com Right,
1: Right. and the info about the magnesium will be up on? Um,
10: It'll be up on Instagram and Facebook later on this evening.
1: All right, great to see you, Muriel. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you.
10: Tip
0: FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie
1: Now you're very welcome back to uh, Tip Today. Listen around to say, Patrick in fact, on to say a lovely experience in the book market uh, this week. I got my books for Christmas and ordered more. Lovely lady. And I want to wish her the very, very best indeed in the move to Mitchell's. Street and it's a great bookshop, and that's for certain, Patrick. And thanks very much indeed uh, for that. All sorts of other bits and pieces coming into. it. Obviously, uh, yeah, the speculation about various different things on social media platforms. But I mean, until we get official confirmation of it, so if we can't we can't put it out on uh, the program. But thanks very much indeed for for getting in touch. Tipperary Arts, funded by Commission na Sound and Vision Round Fifty, Tip FM.
2: Building resilient communities in County Tipperary.
1: Well, Tipperary singer Anthony O'Connor has a brand new single out. It's already getting lots and lots of airplay and has been voted Song of the Week on uh, Carol Powers' uh, Premier Country as well. I'm delighted to say he joins me in studio. Good morning to you, Anthony. Good morning, Fran. Congratulations on all the success. It's been a real rollercoaster the last couple of
2: singles, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm very um, impressed with it, will really, to be honest with you. and you know. I. Yeah. Wouldn't believe it it is going so well, like you know.
1: And after singing for so many decades, it's like fellas being a, a, an overnight success after a few <laughs> decades and stuff, you know. What what prompted the recent recordings, Anthony? Did you just decide to have a lash at it
2: I just I don't know, I just took a notion that I wanted to record certain songs and yeah. I just went and done it, you know what I mean? And uh, they've been very successful, really, so it was a pure fluke how it actually happened and I'd have to explain it. PJ's the album with us, PJ Cummins. Yeah. PJ rang me one night and he said I had an old album released many moons ago. It was called No Stranger to the Rain. And PJ said to me, um, he said, have you got that old album? And I said, could I get a copy of it? And I said, fair enough, PJ, I, I will. So I gave him a copy of the album. And, and I just said, I had a song recorded at the time called You Can Always Come Home. Mm-hmm. And I, thought, I always thought the song was great for myself, like yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Because I just liked it. So I, gave, I said to PJ, I have a song here on the phone. Would you like to have a listen to it? <laughs> <laughs> so Peter listened to the song and the minute he, he heard the song he said I'll play that so I sent it on to him and uh, that's what it all started then, so
1: it's, isn't it I mean, and do you know I mean I shouldn't be surprised at it really but the amount of support you're getting from people
2: absolutely brilliant isn't yeah. incredible brilliant I know I'd like to thank everybody for that. Like, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant.
1: Yeah, and I'd you love know? to see it from other artists as well who are saying, they're kind of saying, Anthony, it's about bloody time
2: that. You yeah, you <laughs> know, because when it, when I recorded that album years ago, I'd never done anything with it. Yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, but that's the way it is. And today, I'm getting a good push now from PJ. Now, to be honest yeah. with you, know.
1: <laughs> PJ is here with yeah. us as well just to cause trouble. How are you, PJ? Good morning, fan How are you? What did you spot in Anthony's stuff that made you sort of push it for him on? on Tip Bid West and just in general getting stuff out there as well you
11: know? it was the song and the words that was in it I suppose what I got from it was no matter what you do wrong in life you can always come home so and mess- I think that's message, where it, yeah, that's where it came out of for me and listening to the melody and the start of it and the whole thing I said like, God that's a great song that needs to be released and you know Deborah Dowler I yeah, sent it to course, Deborah yeah. Dowler with the bit and she sent it out and Took off from there. That's
1: great. What I love about the choices of songs, Anthony, is they're not populist, if you know what I mean. They're no. your, the, you're looking at songs that you think are great songs and you're yeah. recording them.
2: And I record, that's exactly no, what what I'm recording. You're not doing.
1: looking to a particular audience and say, oh, I'm going to suit them now no. and I'm going to look for the new Galway girl or the, or, or the new. You,
2: these are your songs that you love. Uh, that's it. I have no interest in. in, in um, I don't know if that sounds bad or not, but I don't have any interest. The only interest is it, I do have. It's ones that I actually like myself, yeah. And they come to me in the most strangest of times. So that that one, uh, Sissy song. I was out walking and the uh, the music on in the ears, and I had I I I had it on play, and uh, suddenly the song comes up in the playlist. I didn't hear it before, but just something, just I just went back on that one. I said I must hear that, and that's how I started listening to it, and it took off from there. Uh, you know? and, and
1: that's great. And PJ like like myself. We're getting in, like, 10, 12, 15 songs a day from artists out there. And it's great to see Irish artists recording, but it's kind of hard to get above the parapet then and get get people to listen and play a song, you know. So all the more applause due that these songs are, are, are This man there,
11: gives you know? himself no credit whatsoever. Yeah. It's just him, but, like, you have to tell him you're doing really well and whatever. Like, the three songs that he's out, out they're just class i mm. i keep saying to him his voice is just amazing he's been around what 40 years he said steady uh, steady yeah well he said 40 <laughs> years to be off air before and like as you said around there it's only now in the last 12 18 months that he's really come out of himself and shown what he can do with the three songs like the three songs are which, which is just great class indeed. and even carol last night with um the song of the week that's yeah, that's fantastic for him. Well,
1: well it's great exposure, yeah, which is which is the whole thing. Sisi song, the brand new thing. We're going to have a listen to it, Anthony. You said what you were, you were listening to this on headphones.
2: I was listening. To it, I was out walking. I like. I have this. I love walking. You know, just one of my um, things that I like to do. And just that's when I listen to music. Well, I listen at home, but and you know, I, when I'm walking, I'm have it on play, and I, mm. it just came up in the playlist, and I said. Hold on here a minute.
1: That song will do me.
2: That'll do me. Yeah, that's the way I got it. Too. Yeah. Uh, what What about the background to the song, Anthony? Well, what, what's the a- the background? The song is actually the, Alan Jackson wrote the song, and it's about his um, housekeeper and uh, nanny, and her middle name was Sissy. That's where the name Sissy come from. All right. Okay. But I was familiar with the name Sissy because I've 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 knew I known knew people that were called Sissy. You know. Yeah. And. Uh, so some people probably didn't hear it before. Sissy, it was her Leslie, Leslie Sissy Fitzgerald was her name, but she got killed in a motor motorcycle accident, and uh, he wrote this song. And I thought there was great sentiment to it, you know. That's a
1: great song. Yeah, have a have a listen to this. This is Anthony's brand new single. It's called, as he said, Sissy's Song. <laughs>
2: without rhyme lovely sweet young woman daughter, wife and mother makes no sense to me I just have to believe she flew up to heaven on the wings of angels by the clouds and stars and past where no one sees and she walks with Jesus and her loved ones waiting and I Mind and say don't past where no one sees and she walks with Jesus and her loved ones waiting and I know she's smiling saying don't worry about me It's hard to say goodbye, her picture in my mind Will always be of times I change And I won't cry She flew up to heaven On the wings of angels By the clouds and stars And past where no one sees And she walks with Jesus And her loved ones waiting And I know she's smiling Saying, don't worry, about."
1: Single from Anthony O'Connor, and it's Carol's uh, song of the week, as voted for by by listeners. It's a gorgeous song,
2: isn't it? It's a nice thing. Yeah, I, I really like it. You know. Yeah. Really, I, well, I. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice song. Yeah. yeah.
1: Recorded locally as well over in Gap studios. Yeah. Which is which is great. Uh, great lot, to know yeah. too. We'll take a break, and you have a guitar with I you. you so I know I you. Hand you hand you're going to sing live for us as well, Anthony. So we, we'll take a break back in just a moment you're very welcome back. And Tipperary singer Anthony O'Connor is with me in studio. We've just heard his brand new single, which is called Sissy Song. It's Carol's uh, song of the week on, um, on Premier Country. Of course, we get lots and lots of play. Uh, with our good friends over in Tip Midwest as well, and indeed around the country. And that's the thing, yeah. Anthony, uh, because it's distributed around the country now, you, you're hearing from other places Yeah, that's that, true.
2: Know. I'm getting play on other radio sessions as well, yeah. which is massive. It's great, like, you know, great, great to brilliant see brilliant. You,
1: isn't it? You brought the guitar with
2: you, so you're going to do something live for us, yeah? I will. It's a, it's a John Prime song, you know. Oh, I'm a big, good. big, big fan of John Prime. And, yeah. Uh, but uh, it's, I think it's one of his newer songs before, it? He, before he passed away, but. It's, it's, it's this tune called I remember every thing. All right. And again, like the sentiment to the song, I liked it so I learned.
1: Very good. In your own time, Anthony think I think O'Connor with us live in studio.
2: I've been down this road before. I remember every tree, every single blade of grass holds oh, a special place for me. And I remember every town in every hotel room Every song I ever sang On a guitar out of tune I remember everything Things I can't forget The way you turned and smiled on me On the night that we first met, and I remember every night, your ocean eyes so blue. I miss you in the morning light, like the roses misty dew. This road before Alone as I can be Hoping not to let my past Go sneaking up on me Got no future in my happiness Regrets were very few Sometimes a little tenderness Was the best I could do I remember everything Things I can't forget Swimming pools of butterflies That slip right through the net And I remember every night Your ocean eyes so blue I'll miss you in the morning light, like roses, Mr. Dew. I'll miss you in the morning light, like roses, Mr. Dew.
1: Song, it's, it's a cracker. I, like, I think it's a cracker of a song. It's gorgeous. I'm a huge John Prine fan, but I'm not familiar with it. As you I, said, it's one of the later songs. One of the
2: more. I think one of the last ones he recorded. That's a, that's what I believe anyway. I'm not hundred like, percent on that front.
1: Gorgeous song. Though, no, it's it? a cracker. Yeah. You're gonna have to record that too. You know
2: that, don't I, you? I, it's one of those songs that you know. People said to me, "You never do a fest song." I don't know. I said. You know, you won't answer my songs, like, you know what I mean? But that's the way it is. I
1: wouldn't worry about that in in the list are beautiful, beautiful uh, songs. Lovely response to you. Marie is up in uh, Bursley. What a voice, she says. Oh, my God, what a song. Um, Congrats to Anthony. Great songs. Where can we get the CDs? That's kind of interesting because will you compile the singles soon?
2: uh, I will compile them. They're on Spotify at the moment if people want to... uh, to listen like you know. Yeah. Yeah, they're on Anthony O'Connor.
1: Anthony O'Connor, okay. So they're they well up mm-hmm. there, Margaret saying as well. Uh Anthony's new song is absolutely uh, beautiful. The voice is sounding better than ever. You Do know? You know?
2: 20 years of smoking cigarettes then I do not
1: not. I love that after having our, our nutrition slot on and yeah, our health yeah. slot on, yeah. 20 you years do. of smoking and, and the odd point here all, and there. Only the odd
2: one. Only
1: the odd one. <laughs> it's lovely. Yeah. Whenever I see you, Anthony, I'm always transported back to the great days. When I heard you first sing in Cornies, That's right, all yeah. those years ago in Tipperary Town, and you were singing more folky stuff at that point. In fact, there wasn't a sign of a country song at that
2: point. No, but I always had this liking for yeah. country, you know. Yeah. And, just as I grow older, I just but I still have the folk. I love folk music, like yeah. you know, I love trad, like I, just traditional music, you know. But I love all types of music. But country is one is a big, big uh, love for me.
1: I was driving recently and I heard a song and it transported me back there big time. And particularly to Anthony O'Connor was "Big River," with Jimmy Nail's oh, song. Oh, that's a,
2: another crack what of a, song. a song! And you do, you do a fantastic version. I do it, and sing. it I haven't sang it in a while. Now, have now? you not? No, I haven't. You know, yeah. I, I haven't. But I, uh, I must get. I, must, I, I do know it. Like you yeah, know, yeah, I, yeah. I, funny thing about that is, I could learn a song, and if if it's one of my, it wouldn't be one of my favorite picks. But if I learnt it, if I hadn't sang it for two or three weeks, I'd be losing it. You know? Would I, you? Yeah. I would yeah, yeah. yeah But it's like the big river. I could give you here. <laughs> I don't know where it comes out, of but it's, it, I can sing it perfectly. Well, yeah, that's debatable, yeah, 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 but. Yeah. but
1: <laughs> but, oh you sing uh, uh, listen. You, know. yeah, you and of course needless to say the snipers promise. Do you remember that? You were asked to sing that every single time right, you were in yeah. Corn.
2: And people are still asking for that. Are song. they? Yeah.
1: You know. After all the years.
2: Yeah, that's amazing, you know. A great, great song.
1: Yeah, isn't it, isn't it just fantastic? Yeah, altogether? together, lots more people onto us as well. Nell and Ted in Tipperary Town, oh, great right, Ted and Nell. Who uh, fabulous Anthony it says sounding great uh, today. And can you wish Anthony all the best uh, with these fabulous songs from all the gang, Catherine, Phyllis, and Jerry and and Tom and everybody oh. there. Indeed, who is the one? Who's who is the wonderful singer? So That's Anthony O'Connor from from Tipperary Town. Will we have a listen to uh, Three Wooden Crosses? Yes, yeah, uh, Anthony, yeah, lovely. Thing, yeah. yeah, this this did extremely well too, yeah. Okay. Let's let's have a listen to this before before you go have a listen.
2: A farmer and a teacher, a hooker and a preacher, riding on a midnight bus bound for Mexico. One was headed for a vacation. One for higher education And two of them Were searching For a lost soul That driver Never ever saw The stop sign And 18 wheelers Can't stop on a dime They're on the tree wooden crosses On the right side Of the highway Why there's not four It's not what you take when you leave this world behind you
1: Uh, three Wooden uh, Crosses and he's here in the studio with me and his videographer, um, PJ, is with us as well. you got to tell them the story. I, I'll
2: tell the story <laughs> about I love this, the yeah. video for that particular song. We were doing it in actually in the local bar in Tiptown. It just closed at the time. Yeah. I just sat down and I was singing along to the song and PJ says to me, you better smile, you know. <laughs> I said, how can I smile? I said, there's three people after getting killed on a bus, I said, and you want me to smile? <laughs> oh,
1: God. Because that's what the song is about, you know, but a, he, he yeah. wanted you to smile through yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, listen, I know. But I'd
2: just like to thank everyone that requested my songs and, and voted for my songs and all the radio p- p- people that played it. I mean, it means a lot. It really, really yeah. does, you know. But well, sure, we're it's, all
1: delighted to play your songs, and it's about time that you got recording properly and all of that, you know.
2: Well, Look, I'll keep them on as long well as I can.
1: Well, you'll have to do so. and We can't wait to have a compilation of all of them yeah. available to us as well. I know you're going to do something about that. Great to see you, Anthony. Congratulations you to you. And me. thanks, PJ. Great to see you as well. That's it for me. Emma produced. Ali, looks after all our content. Uh, Stephen's on the way with the Time Tunnel. And I'll talk to you uh, tomorrow. And uh, before I go, um, sadly... Sad news now confirmed. We heard uh, some information about it this morning, but we didn't have confirmation. But uh, the wonderful Shane McGowan has passed away. So that's very, very sad news indeed. And Anthony, I know you'd, oh, yeah. you'd agree yeah. that's devastating news. Massive songs. You know? so
2: he yeah. was something else like, you know, really. He, yeah. he, he could come up on anything, but, you know, he was a great songwriter as well. Yeah, and
1: oh, what, what, what a talent. Yeah. And on tomorrow's show, we'll pay a special tribute to him indeed. That's it for me. Look after yourselves. Bye-bye.